Hello, this is William Fink, and this is Christagenia.org and Christagenia Internet Radio. This evening, Friday, December 31st, 2021, I thought it would be a good idea to have an open forum and invite our friends and listeners to come and speak with us and hang out with us for New Year's Eve while the rest of the world gets in drunk driving accidents and barroom fights, and we shouldn't, certainly shouldn't have anything to do with that stuff. So, praise Yahweh, the God of Israel, and thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Okay, this open forum, I, I don't have any material prepared for this. Christagenia has had a very good year. I mean, we've had at least 250,000 visitors a month to the main site alone. Cloudflare caches a lot of our pages, so our servers don't see those visitors. Cloudflare is telling us we have at least 250,000 visits a week. So a lot of those are probably just people that hit one page that's cached by Cloudflare and leave. If I added up all of the Christagenia websites, their traffic, I, we probably have about 400,000 visits a month. Quality visits. So, I mean, that's a wonderful thing. And the rankings, website rankings companies are lying about us. We had 3.3 million downloads, file downloads this year. Now, that counts videos, audios, PDF files, other documents. Of course, it doesn't count images. It only counts content downloads. So that's over 10% more than last, than last year. It's almost 15% more than last year. So... That's our purpose, is to try to de develop and perfect our two-seed-line message and also to concentrate on spreading it. So I praise Yahweh for that. If anybody has anything to say, if anybody wants to get this kicked off, this is recorded, and these recordings of these open forums have been pretty popular lately, so make it count. That's all I could say. Thank you for being here. Hello. Thank you, yeah, thanks, Bill. Thank you. Good evening. Thank, Thank you, Bill. Praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. How y'all doing? Waking up. Waking up, I could imagine. I've been busy exposing shills and tears lately. Yeah, I see that. I, I saw that. I actually watched. Whoa, that's got to go. That's got to go. Please watch it. Yeah, Drowdy, I actually had watched that video. I, I don't get a chance to watch too many videos, and especially whole videos, but I did listen to your whole entire video. And and a lot of it was rambling, but you were on point, Rizzoli, the Rizzoli brothers. You, you know, I remember when they started out 10, 12 years ago when I first saw them, I that they kind of looked like white Italians to me. I, I mean, I never doubted that. I, I don't 
pick on Italians or even on Greeks or on anybody that comes from a mixed-race country. I don't think they're all mixed. I mean, that's crazy. They're certainly not all mixed. So you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. But the Rizzoli's are Sicilian, and there must be reasons why they don't even want to understand our message. They don't even want to, as my... The interview I gave him, I think, proved he won't even take the time to investigate why I say the things that I said in that interview. He would rather run off the next day and talk to some fucking Mexican and get um, his own sense of righteousness out of his agreement with the fucking Mexican and just mock us well, the hell with him. But the Rizzolis had started off as local activists against um, illegal immigration and things like that in the Boston area. And, and it's kind of ironic that Rizzoli, the Rizzolis live in the same town that my great-grandparents came from in Massachusetts, Framingham, Massachusetts. And Charles Giuliani lives there also. And they're all, as far as I'm concerned, simply anti-Christian bastards. That's all they are. So he went and he branched off that and he went into Holocaust denial. I, I mean, Holocaust denial is a good thing, but he started doing that maybe about six, seven years ago, maybe a little longer. And he's trying to leverage that into some white nationalist leadership position. The guy's just a clown. So yeah, I'm glad you're doing to what stick you're doing. To that. I'm sorry. It's it's all right. He uh, every time he he talks about the Bible, he fucks it up. And from what I gather from listening to his videos, I'm a hundred percent sure he does that on purpose. Um, white Italian or whatever he is, uh, you'll know them by their fruits, and he certainly has some rotten fruit. Right, that's absolutely my point in, in bringing that up. He, he's um, he's Sicilian. He, he's acting like a damned crypto Jew. He's not acting like a real white Italian. And yes, you know them by their fruits. Yeah. Well, when you listen to the interview, and it's just that, that you did with him, Bill, and in that one part of it when he's asked you where they where the other races come from, you're trying to explain it. Well, but Bill, where'd they come from? But what about these? But what about these? And it was just uh, like he was just trying to trip you up and not doing a very good job of it because he's not capable of it. Well, well, right. I, I don't, I pray I never get tripped up. I don't think anybody's going to trip me up. But the bottom line is that I knew when I began that interview that we had agreed on 30 minutes. So I didn't want to get hung up on any particular topic. And in 30 minutes, I can't really explain anything, much of anything, in depth in 30 minutes. I could explain one topic, perhaps. I mean, y'all have heard my podcast. And, and whether or not I have prepared notes or not, I could explain one topic in 30 minutes. But that wasn't the point of a more general interview, and we agreed on 30 minutes, so I figure I got half an hour 
to get over, get across what I believe and why I believe it to this guy. And he kept getting hung up on stupid shit, looking for those deep details that might take me an hour or two to explain, to explain properly. So, and not just that, but he was a sheer smart ass a lot of the time and just disrespectful and rude. Like he wasn't even really listening to what you were having to say. And his ego was so, it was just out of control. Like, I understand having somebody on your radio show that you have an opposing opinion with or whatever, but you can at least be respectful and let people talk. When he would, he was, he was asking you questions, but not giving you the respect to let you answer. Well, well, right, Christine. And, and I appreciate your observing that, but. This is one thing I don't think a lot of people understand about me that don't listen to me all the time is that I can detect if you're going to be an asshole real quick. So my answers get real blunt and offensive real quick because I know you're going to be an asshole. So that's why I'm like that in those types of interviews. If you're going to be nice and respectful to me, then I'm going to be nice and respectful and do my best to understand and supply the citations I need to supply and, and explain what I'm about. But if you're going to be an asshole, like a smart ass, I, I remember that happened with, it, it happened with Charles Giuliani and I did have way too much patience for him. I did. And I should have been a big asshole to him. And maybe that's where I learned how to do that. It happened with Will Williams and Carolyn Yeager, and he was a smartass right away, so I just slapped him around and let him have it, because that's all those people deserve. They don't deserve any better. If they got to get I'm sorry, no, we're talking. Like sorry. Go on, one at a time. Oh, well, I can understand why he was triggered and butthurt. And if he's going to get triggered and butthurt, how can you get any point across to him? Because he's just reacting. With right. He's reacting. He's being a bitch. He, he's acting like a woman. I'm sorry, Christine, but women, that they get <laughs> shrill and act emotionally when they're confronted and feel they're being attacked. Instead of being a man and stepping back and being reasonable, he, he reacted like a, a jilted wife. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on recently. Mm -hmm. I was reading uh, Joe's uh, the thread on the CFT where where Joe kept answering their question. I knew he answered it at least three different times, but they kept on and on, not even listening, not even uh, comprehending, you know, purposefully ignoring his answer that he already gave them. Yeah, there's a lot of that going on. Yeah, well, this is the truth the world can't receive. So I'm I'm not surprised when a Charles Giuliani and those people can't accept it, but it's disheartening when our own people can't accept it. Yeah, it is. And it is the truth the world can't receive, but it's our job to put it in their faces. <laughs> that That's, they need to hear it. It was funny with CFT though, hey, Geordie, when they were trying to claim was wasn't an actual no was a real moabite by race and it's like well what about the law and they're like screw the law she had a feeling she had an emotion you know yeah. she, she can <laughs> we can throw the law in the bin because a woman had an emotion and felt 
that she wanted to beat Israel or something. Yeah. They're stuck on Rahab, that, too. And there, there's an exception for the eunuch, so therefore there's an exception for everything else. Nothing matters. Well, it wasn't even well, a little he's a spiritual. Right, Bill. I like your answer on that. That that I felt that I had to spell that out in in that forum post from our point of view. I, I couldn't just let it slide. Sometimes I get get the time to do that stuff right without having to do a whole podcast. Maybe I should do another Ruth podcast. I'm convinced that your explanation of Isaiah 56, the eunuch, is the only is one of the only valid explanations because. To say that it's an actual eunuch, not, you know, analogy, that would be um, against the law. And is a prophet of God going to nullify the law? Is he speaking going to nullify the law of the God he's speaking for? That's not valid. Like even well, well, with the right. human author. Exactly. But, if the eunuch is keeping the Sabbaths, then the eunuch must be imagined and, and is being rewarded for that, then the eunuch must be imagined as having also kept the law. He would have had to kept the law to care about the Sabbaths in the first place. So it must be an allegorical eunuch. It, it's just a reference to the individual children of Israel who were cut off and deported with all of the others, but who are pious and seek to obey and keep the law. There's a lot of people in society today who, even though the society is Sodom and Gomorrah, there's still a lot of pious people within that society who care about God, who care about the commandments. So they're cut off with the rest of the society. So they're like the eunuchs who keep the Sabbaths or, or the, dry, the dry, tree. dry tree, right? Isn't it? It's kind of funny how you said, like, is there a population of eunuchs somewhere? You know that are Israelites. Right. And I'm thinking, can the Israelites even make eunuchs? Because if you castrate someone in Israel, they have to be put outside the congregation according to the law. So, like Persia might have eunuchs in you know serving their king, but Israel couldn't, could they? Because well, right. Law. But on the other hand, if you if you are castrating someone in Israel, aren't you also breaking the law? Where is the punishment that requires castration? None. There are none. And can can I ask you one more thing, Bill? Like, if Isaiah was teaching people, was if he's a prophet of God and he's saying to people, let's nullify the law of God, wouldn't Isaiah be put to death? Well, yes, he would prophet? be worthy of that for teaching that. He would be a false prophet. And he, well, I don't think he was. So Christ, Christ was quoting him, so I don't think he was either. <laughs> Christ, who yeah, came to uphold yeah. the law and the prophets, I don't think he was he he was considering him no. to be a false prophet either. You know, it's like CFT's always picking on Isaiah because they don't like Isaiah um, forty five either, where all Israel was saved. So they're always picking on Isaiah for some reason. But that demotes them to the level of Jews because it's the Jew who will tell you, and, and this is a, a theory, an academic theory that came out of Jewry and Jewish criticism of the scripture, that there were two different Isaiahs. And the second Isaiah wrote a, hundred, a couple of hundred years after the first Isaiah. So the first, 
40 chapters of Isaiah, uh, from the first Isaiah, and then some second writer came along a few hundred years later and wrote this these 26 chapters of Isaiah that's like the second half of Isaiah. And I've explained why those chapters are different. But they say that because they don't they don't want to believe what's in those 26 chapters, just like the people at Christians for Truth don't want to believe it. And they don't want to believe that Isaiah could actually name historical figures before they were born. They don't want to believe that. There's like the Isaiah the Jews don't like, and then there's the Isaiah they try and pervert. There's two Isaiahs, the one the Jews don't like. Yeah. But we believe them all. We think there's one Isaiah. Yeah, there's one Isaiah, and those first 40 chapters were written up until the time of the siege of Jerusalem, and the next 26 chapters were written after the siege of Jerusalem had failed, and they were written addressing Israel in captivity rather than Israel in Israel. So that's why the tone and direction and, and overall theme of those chapters is different from the first 40 chapters. It's really pretty, it, it's parochial to figure that out. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to figure that out. Just compare Isaiah to the accounts of the Book of Kings. But Jews well, but can't figure Jews it out because... I'm sorry. Jews can't figure it out because they don't want to figure out the truth. Because Isaiah, those last 26 chapters of Isaiah, and those 14 epistles of Paul go like this. In the one story. Sorry, Bill. Uh, I, I just wanted to say, aren't Jews double-minded after all? Like one thing they want to say one, one and all, the other time they want to say another. They're professional bullshitters. Well, of course. That, that's all the chutzpah and all of the false pretense of academic scholarship. They're really only interested in pushing an agenda and that the objective that, that's their ulterior motive. Which is basically to corrupt Christianity and white Europeans. Agreed. And what is worse is, like I told you before, uh, when we were doing the Bible study, which was essentially the Jonah, uh, the story of Jonah, that they, they, they like to do these schools of thought. For example, oh, here Jonah was transcended into, into a second life, and, and here he discovered the higher mysteries of God. No, this is all professional bullshit. That's what it is. Well, of course. That's all they do. Bill, Bill. Some they want to write thing. something fascinating to to intrigue people and fascinate them and and have them becoming enamored with their great wit and intellect, basically. Yeah, and no then, matter how contradicted it is, no matter how double-minded they are, they're going to push it anyway. Yeah, right. They DNA. come up with every angle to ignore the plain historical meaning of Scripture. Like the Bible code, that's another Jewish Kabbalistic ploy to distract you from the actual meaning of the scripture. Instead of well, trying to pay attention to what the scripture says and figure that out, they got you checking out the, Bible the values code. Is that of these where you letters type in a letter looking for hidden codes. Bible gives you some prophecy about it. 
Yeah, bullshit. Like that... we have one of the best method methodologies to approach a scripture because we always try and hold the scripture up as the authority. Where CFT and the Jews and the Judeo Christians, they don't have our methodology, and they don't have covenant theology either. Yeah, you know, All feelings. That there's a lot of things that I worked out ahead of time before I got out of prison in my years of study that I knew that I was going to do my best to uphold as a consistent practice. But the methodology that I have for understanding scripture, it just came naturally. If this is the word of God, it must be true. I must accept it as true. If Jesus Christ, if I believe that he's the son of God and he is God incarnate, then I must believe if he was quoting Isaiah, Jeremiah, Zechariah, that these men were representing the word of God. And I understood that there were mistranslations in places or things like that. But the bottom line is that if this is the word of God, it must be paramount it it must be our guide and even though we might grapple over understanding what it says we have to believe that that is what god meant that that's what it says and once we understand it with some degree of consistency we must hold that up as the authority for that reason but that's not something that i sat and wrote out that's just an understanding that came naturally through study i didn't have to work like, that out in any philosophical treatise it was just a natural like, way to understand it and like the most basic you know, premise underlying that is that the Bible can't contradict itself. So if you want different or, you know, prophets to contradict each other because you don't like one of them, you know, you're making some sort of error there. You're making some sort of mistake. And like CFT doesn't get that. A lot of folk don't get that. A lot of our detract detractors don't get that. They just write stories and then they try and make the Bible suit their story. Like, I want white people to go to hell because I'm butthurt. So now I'm going to make Isaiah wrong somehow. Well, well right. <laughs> that, that's right. That's right. That's the way they do look at it. And that's something that I remember saying quite often, even back in the Eli James days when I was doing podcasts with him, is that you can't take your half of the Bible to prove this other half of the Bible wrong. You can't do that. You can't use Paul to prove Isaiah wrong or Jeremiah to prove Paul wrong. It doesn't work that way. If you think there's a conflict, the conflict's probably in your thinking, and you better rethink it. Like you oh, were saying, you, you naturally tried to understand it, which, on the contrast to the tear, these genetic devils, they naturally try to disprove it or work it around whatever agenda they have. Um, it's the two natures in contrast to each other. Right. And like Absolutely. Jesus might have said, you know, I came only for Israel. But then you can go to a letter Paul wrote to the Romans and say, oh, Paul said all men there, so it must be all men. And it's like he was writing to the Romans, though, you know. <laughs> they make all of these contextual errors. Colossians 3, uh, 28, or John 3, 16. 
That's what it is. Oh, let's make a, a bi uh, let's make our Bible to you know uh, our biblical worldview based solely on one verse, and that's it. They that's want right. to ignore the rest of the Bible. Well, what was a man? What was a man to our fathers? A man wasn't you know an Arab. You know, I think um, Brother Noble had a video on that recently about Enosh versus Adam. What's an Adam man and what's an Enosh man? Our fathers didn't think, you know, all the non-whites were men. And even in dictionaries from just 50 years ago, you'll find that mankind was a white society or people. Well, I had this exact and same conversation in a Facebook exchange this evening and somebody the other day and it sat there for two days without being answered somebody the other day who I met once personally and I won't say his name he, he's more of a white nationalist than he is a League of the South he's a League of the South member but he's more of a plain vanilla white nationalist to me than he is involved in the actual League of the South cause or in, in anything really Christian, but he identifies as a Christian. So he asked, why would any African-American Christians want to celebrate Kwanzaa? The founder of it is just, just didn't want to celebrate Jesus, which makes him an antichrist. And he is also very anti-white. So I stated in a, in a reply, why would African-Americans want to be Christians? Christ didn't come for them. And I left it there. Well, some other clown came back and said, Bill Fink, he came for all men, if any one of them would believe on him. There we go. So I answered, that is not true. He came for all men who fit into the description where he said, not sent but under the lost sheep of the house of Israel. You are taking a verse and isolating out of context. And then it went by for maybe a few minutes and I didn't get a reply, so I said, LOL, laughing out loud, at all those who think Christ ever contradicted himself, contradicted the God of the Old Testament, who he is, or that he contradicted the law or the prophets, whom he came to uphold. They reflect the word of God, and he is that same word made flesh. So he cannot ever be construed as having contradicted or nullified himself God does not change, i.e. Malachi 3.6. So this turkey came back an hour later, and he said, Bill Fink, did you forget the verse directly after? Now, this is the Eli James verse, right? But this isn't Eli James. This is just some plain, vanilla, white nationalist. Did you forget the verse directly after about giving table scraps? Or are you being heretical on purpose? Wow, how familiar is that? So I said, the dog, the dogs get crumbs because the children drop them, not the father. You are quite the sophist. A few crumbs don't include someone in an explicit covenant that was not made for or with them. Jeremiah 31, Romans 9, Hebrews 8. Now, that was four hours ago. I'm waiting for an answer. Something tells me I'm probably not going to get one. Yeah. <laughs> but that's this... You know, uh, he, he actually brought up the, the event with the crumbs. 
to basically support the idea that niggers can be Christians. Who drops the crumbs at the table? The father or the children? We drop the crumbs. That, That story should tell us that we shouldn't be dropping crumbs. How many times your mother smack your ass for spilling food on the floor when you were a kid? What I find funny, though, is because he says it's not right to get take the bread of the children and cast it to the dogs. And then she says something, and then Christ apparently changes his mind and gives the bread to the dogs. Like, he says he's not going to do that, but then he changes his mind and does it, according to them. So right. they're obviously don't hear what he said. He said, it's not right to give the bread of the children to the dogs. He's not going to do it. And then she says, yes, but master, we get the crumbs. He's not taking the whole loaf and chucking it to him. He's saying it's not right to do that. <laughs> That's what I you used know, to joke about that. all He's the time with Eli. His mind. For a couple of crumbs, he'd rip the bread out of the mouths of the children and throw it to the dogs. <laughs> it's pitiful. Uh, that it's that they have divided minds and they can't understand the scripture. So they project their own divided minds onto the scripture. They'll read verse three and forget everything that verse two had said. Like it's a separate yeah. statement that's not related. We're starting over so, now. Well. This is a new verse. Let's get a fresh start. <laughs> yeah. It's it's very funny, Bill, because I was speaking to someone. Um, in fact, it was Noble that I was speaking to, and it, it, we said we said something very similar to this idea. For example, the definition of man, or who were the mankind that we were uh, they they were mentioning back then. And it's funny because we were talking. For example, it, it would be the same thing if we if we wrote a letter to our family and we said we right just using the word we and then 2000 years later uh uh mixed race mulatto or something finds his letter and says we also oh, he's talking about me too everyone of course not right. he was talking about his family yeah it's pitiful i agree bill i just got out of federal penitentiary after eight and a half years i had so many discussions with these multicultural janelle retards uh they simply would never could anything anything that i was saying it's like they had a block in their head you know if, if adam man means white right the definition of adam and the law of the kinsman redeemer yashua came from only his people how do you put these other races in mixed with that and let alone these other races aren't under the law therefore they can't transgress the law because they're never under the law that that's absolutely true and I'm sorry to hear you were in federal prison for eight and a half years, but I've sort of been there and done that. <laughs> the, the, I, even I in prison, even in prison, when I had a captive audience, and I'm a pretty big guy, I'm not bragging, right? But I'm also pretty assertive. And they really, if I wanted to talk to them, they really had to give me some attention and that they really couldn't totally ignore me. I wouldn't let that happen. <laughs> So even with a captive audience, with a guy that's surrounded by niggers and spicks who hate his ass and treat him like shit, even then I had a very small success rate. It's incredible. It really is. Inc- the disconnect is incredible. You're, uh, you're absolutely right about that. I always 
challenge these people and they never could come back with anything you know what i mean but uh, right. i'm actually at the federal house right now in seattle but uh i've, I've listened to you for a while and uh, i remember you uh when you were still in federal prison under emma heiser i was reading your pamphlets and stuff uh, back in the day so uh, uh, i just wanted to join in with you guys tonight and uh praise christ well praise christ that's great and i appreciate that um I, you, I just hope you stay out of there stay do what you got to do to stay out of there I stayed my mother's basement for three years so I wouldn't get my ass jammed up. <laughs> I'm staying out. Now, you Great. know what he talked about, covenant theology. That's something we understand, but the Trinitarians don't. CFT doesn't. Because Christians for Truth claims that Israel married the law. And it, the question I have is, how can you marry the law apart from the husband? Because the husband gives the wife the law and the wife lives by it. And if the husband dies, as Paul explains, the wife is released from the law. So CFT doesn't get any of that. Um, the Judeo-Christians don't get that. The Trinitarian tards don't get that. But we get it. Uh, it's, it's covenant theology. That's what he's talking about. And it, it's just mind-blowing that it's so simple, but it just I don't understand it either, why people just can't get it right. These people, our detractors. Yeah, CFT, they're they're pretty much uh, Dominion theory or uh, Universalist. I haven't uh, looked at their site a whole lot. Just every now and then, I can't really grasp what their agenda is. Well, well, you know, I I had somebody write me about six months ago, and I ignored him. I didn't answer him, and he pretended or or at least claimed. I'm not going to say he was pretending like he was representing himself falsely i really don't know that but he claimed to have inside information about cft to have once been with those people in their forum or whatever they had i don't know what they had and he said that originally it was drew ezra pound who was doing most of the work at cft which i believe because those first few years of cft were all of exactly what Drew would do is post news stories and make little quirks about them, little statements about them from a Christian identity slant, right? So that was fine. But then it turned to making these religious treatises and, and these theological arguments, which were obviously designed to refute things that I say Christogenia. And this person told me that that was NATO that was doing that, that had taken over most of the writing from Drew, and that Drew and NATO weren't getting along that great, so Drew fell into the background. Now, that's what he said, but I could also see, uh, I know how Matthew Ott speaks and writes, and I could also see a lot of Matthew Ott in those comments. Now, I don't read their articles. I only read the comments, Joe, the ones you post. I stopped reading their articles a long time ago. But I could see a lot of Matthew Ott in those comments. That being said, or at least someone is very much like him and, and sounds just like he talks, so I believe it's Matthew Ott. But this person also went on to start criticizing me because I don't say anything about sin or repentance. So this person obviously to me doesn't listen to my podcasts. 
So I dismissed them and I never answered them for that reason. You know, yeah, something I, NATO I, I don't understand them. Yeah, I think they're one seed line, Drawdy. They're always trying to do the one seed line thing and it just comes out, you know, as a big joke because if you ask them, you know, why was Kane's sacrifice rejected? They'll never be able to answer that. They'll say, oh, sin. And it's like, what sin? What was the law back then? You know, it just becomes a big joke. So they're one seed line. But the, the thing that I see that NATO used to say over there was NATO used to claim to me that the Bible, the New Testament, was influenced by Greek paganism. And so I always said to NATO, well, if the Bible was influenced by Greek paganism, I mean, we may as well chuck it in the bin. I mean, it, the whole Bible is brought into question. And that was one of the arguments that I saw at CFT the other day, that Hellenistic you know, propaganda had made its way into the, into the New Testament, and Christ was even promoting you know, paganism for some reason. And that's something that, you know, that's something that NATO used to say. And I think Mark Downey had a paper on it too. So Mark, it's sort of a part of one seed line. So that and, makes and me that, think that NATO might be there. That, that's what I tried to bring out in, in my series with Truthheads on Weissman. Weissman did that. And Mark Downey got it from Weissman. And NATO was never one of us. He was always a one C liner. When when Stormfront banned a lot of people or, or closed or whatever they did with their Christian identity subforum, Mark Downey, who I always got along with, we were always good friends, even though we couldn't agree on Genesis chapter three, I he asked me if they could find a home at Christagenia, and I said, Yeah, sure, come on. So he invited a bunch of people from the Christian Identity Subform at Stormfront to come to Christagenia, and I let them in. And eventually, I was just hoping that they would come along, and none of them did. None of them ever got it. None of them could understand it. Not Seth Acrimonious, not NATO, not Downey. The only one that understood it that came from there, there were a few other people, but they never really participated and they ended up falling off. The only one that understood it was Star Opperman, but he didn't get it. <laughs> so what the hell? <laughs> we see what the you end know, of Star Opperman was. You know, Bill, the one thing that uh, I think about all this is that, uh, for example, we were talking about CFT and everything. I think the main takeaway of, of all of this is that perhaps they can't understand it. Perhaps you may try, try, try to say, perhaps it, it is something out of the, you know, the old wineskins with new wine. I don't know if that would be the case. Or maybe they simply can't hear their voice, uh, his voice, actually, because they're not his sheep. I'm not accusing anyone of being a tear, but maybe they just simply can't. It well, you, you know... Wonder. It's deeper than that. I, I have some type of cognitive disconnect with NATO that we could speak to each other person to person. I mean, I never saw him face to face, but we could speak to each other person to person and never quite understand each other. And that's because NATO's talking to me, explaining to me his problems in the forum, and I'm trying to explain to him my tactics. And it took me a while to understand that he's just an emotional bitch. He's a girl. That's why I called him Mother Hen. He wanted me to judge other men because and defend his emotions. 
A man should keep his emotions to himself and be willing to speak the truth or speak what he believes from the heart without being a fucking crybaby. If he was in federal prison, 50 years would have his ass the first week for that shit. He's also mother hand bill because he was trying to protect the feelings of other men all the time. And it's like, that's my point. Protect the feelings of men. Like just argue rationally. Like, yeah, what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. NATO. I I really tried to be nice to him and diplomatic with him. And, and he mistook that for callousness. Now there is one way I'm going to be callous. If your feelings are hurt, because somebody told you the truth and you're going to whine about it. Yeah, I am going to be callous. You're a bitch. Go fucking go in the corner in your cell and whine your balls off and get over it. Because that's not how men should act. And that's not how men should interact with each other in a public forum. I should be able to stand up, keep my emotions to myself, look you in the eye and tell you what I believe is the truth or how I feel and express my opinion. And if you respect me, then you'll accept that and say, well, I disagree with you, but that's fine. That's okay. But if you're going to be a bitch, you might sneak around the back of my cell that night and try to stab me with a shiv or something, right? If you're going to be a bitch about it, you might go crying for your little nigger friends to help you out and beat up that white guy that just told me the truth or something like that. That's NATO. He's just a crybaby. So now he's so butthurt that he has to sit at this Christians for Truth that Drew built up the audience, right? Drew built up the audience with his little Christian slanted news stories that he collected, and NATO's trying to capitalize on that by teaching this bitch theology that that he's spouting off at Christians for Truth, which is really just Judeo-Christianity mixed with a little kinism. He doesn't believe in seed line. He doesn't really believe in race. He doesn't believe in upholding racial integrity. He's just a punk. And he's in South Africa. I don't believe he has an attitude. He's such a pusillanimous little bitch living in South Africa. But that's okay. Now you got me riled up. I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) It's all right, Bill. We forgive you. We can overlook those little things, but NATO just gets butt hurt and starts whining. He, He doesn't overlook things. He holds grudges. And you can see that in his whole salvation doctrine where he wants certain white men to go to hell. And it's like we believe in national salvation. They believe in, you know, the 144,000, and they're one of them. You know, they're one of the 144,000 that are going to be saved. You know, we don't believe that. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible is objective when it teaches that the, by the will of God, he's going to save the white race. It's subjective to think that by our own professions and thoughts that a man should be saved you know that's that's their subjective and emotional bullshit when it comes into salvation that's not us though we're objective we believe it's by the will of god yeah that's yeah, uh, all emotional the forty four thousand thing is just like the conclusion you come to when you don't know anything and you're just reading like that's what i thought when i first started reading the bible i was like oh no only 144,000 are going oh my gosh <laughs> and it's like, no, dude. Yeah. You what about getting to the bottom of the page and the innumerable <laughs> multitude? 
Is that 144,000 Israelites and an innumerable multitude of niggers, spicks, and chinks? Is they that what they're 144,000 is across all time. And that's who is going to be saved. And their methodology for that is they take the 144,000 out of Revelation 7 and overlay it onto Isaiah 45. And it's like, what's overlay mean? What does that even mean? You mean you're going to nullify Isaiah 45 with your erroneous interpretation of Revelation 7. That's what they're really doing. Right. You the know, truth is, in Revelation chapter 7, is 144,000 who were sealed, and the innumerable multitude who washed their robes in the blood of the Lamb are the children of Israel, who he came to redeem, period. It, it's That's it. So the 144,000 are a different class of Israelites, perhaps, but they're all Israelites and nobody else, because nobody else has an opportunity to wash their robes in the blood of the Lamb. Not the beast of the field. <laughs> wow. James, James, I'm sorry. We're losing you, brother. No, I said there's only going to be 144,000. We better put our mouths shut make sure we get a ticket. Yeah, that's excellent. But that's the epitome of self-righteousness to teach that there's only 144,000 people going to the kingdom of heaven, and I'm one of them, and I think you're one of them too. Yet, you know, I've seen Baptist ass clowns stroke each other off like that on, on Sunday. So My own cousins me. in you upstate New York. Me, so. well, no, one Baptist saying to another bastard, I don't know about me, but I know you're saved, I know you're going. And, and that's the way they have of complimenting each other. And, and they basically should go to the back of the cell and, and, and I, I can't say it, man. But <laughs> they should have a mutual orgy with each other because that's basically what they're doing. You know something, Bill, which I just realized. I think it's something, I don't know if, I, if this is something that I think, but this, for example, let's just take this precept, right? Oh, only 144,000 are going to be saved. And you or me are part of the club or whatever. Doesn't it seem a bit like, you know, something like a secret society member would say? Oh, but we know the knowledge. Right, well, we know that's knowledge. how cults work. If I take a pretense of authority and convince you and you and you and you, I'm sorry, I'm pointing at a little pictures on my screen that you're all part of that club with me and it's exclusive and I convince you all of that then that's a cult and I'm a cult leader that's how it works that's how Jim Jones got all those clowns to drink that Kool-Aid it's just a good thing that most of them were niggers yeah well it is self-righteous like you said Bill but we believe in race righteousness right it's all or nothing God declares our race righteous by his own will absolutely and we have to understand that none of us are righteous none of us deserve to be part of any special 144,000. if he chose us for that role well that's on him but we don't know it we don't know that in this world how the fuck do you know that you got a you got a number a six-digit number stamped on ass <laughs> signed god <laughs> None of us know that. That's None of us could ever know that. You know, it is an only cell. Daily Storm has been having a go at us too recently, and they've said similar things like, um, 
on the Daily Stormer, someone came along and said, how can God be the God of one race? And it's like, has this guy ever read the Bible? Because in Malachi chapter 2, the prophet asked, have we not all one father? Have one God created us? And then his answer comes and it's like, no, we don't all have the same God because Judah has married the daughter of a strange God. And it's like, well, how is she the daughter of a strange God? Couldn't she just convert to her husband's religion? And it's like, no, she's the daughter of a strange God because our God, didn't create her. So with the Daily Stormer clowns are very similar to the um the CFT one seed line clowns in a way. Well of course, because the it's all similar Go ahead, Drowning. I was just gonna jump in uh, what Joe said. The daughter of a strange god means it's the seed, the direct offspring. It has nothing to do with what that daughter believes Right. And Paul said something like, if you have a wife who's a non-believer, you have to stay with her. And through your faith, she will, you know, I, I'm just paraphrasing through, you know, you make an example through your faith to her. Paul doesn't say divorce your wife if she's a non-believer. You know, so Judah's married the daughter of a strange God. That that has to mean, okay. like we've got the um, example of um, Jacob going and finding a wife, a pagan wife. From Laban. Yeah, it's genetic. It has nothing to do with your beliefs. To understand Paul's words, that's Joe's citing 1 Corinthians chapter 7. To understand those words, first you have to understand the strength and the power of the patriarchy. The concept of patriarchy in the ancient world. Because what Paul taught is that the the man could save his household by his faith because if he believes the gospel, he's going to strive to keep the law and he's going to insist that his entire household keep the law and they won't have a choice because he's the father and the husband. They have to obey him and keep the law. So by that, he saves his household. But on the other hand, the woman doesn't have that authority. But what the woman does have is the example of her good conduct to teach her husband. She could use her own good conduct as an example that her husband might eventually get it. But her kids, the woman is the teacher of the kids. The woman teaches the children. So Paul said the children would be holy because the woman naturally teaches the children in their formative years. They learn their habits and their morals from their mother. So if you understand the way the society operated at that time, which it's a shame it's not the way society operates today, but then you can understand Paul's writing. Most people today have no idea how society's supposed to operate. So that they're raised by single parents, that their parents were divorced, they got two mommies or two daddies or all fucked up family arrangements. There is no patriarchy. Just more often than not, mommy's the boss of the house and daddy's just a cuck. Well, well how do those people understand Paul of Tarsus? 
if they had no clue about the world of which he was speaking. That reminds me of the prison guard in Acts, where Paul says, if you believe, your house will be saved. And he just right. says it to uh, the prison guard. Yeah. Right, because he will keep the law. Paul was expecting the return of Christ at any time. He was expecting the fall of Rome at any time. He was expecting the shit to hit the proverbial fan. That's what he taught. Christ is coming back soon. That's how Christ wanted his apostles to teach, because that's how we should act. Because, just like they taught, it's in the New Testament, I forget where it might be in Peter, if we think that he tarries and he's never coming back, then we're just going to goof off if we don't think the master is coming back right away. And this is actually in one of the parables, too. Then we're just going to goof off and party. It's 1999, let's party and, and have a good time in the hell with the law because Christ isn't ever coming back. Or like the Petrus believe that he's already came back and I suppose we're in heaven right now. <laughs> yeah, right. Wow. Yeah, this reminds me of the oh. parable, right, Bill, of the of the minus or minus, right, where where the master gives uh, the servants minus for them to keep, and they I think they don't keep it right. They fail. They sell it, and the master gives them, you know, uh, judges them for their uh, for not doing it correctly. I don't know where the parable is again. I well, think well it's, I, it's the parable of the servants, and and you're right. And, and even back in my prison days, I got a lot of challenges from, from white guys that would say, well, if all Israel is saved, then I don't have to do anything but have a good time and enjoy myself and, and the hell with all this. And I said, well, you know what? You're right. But if you're not going to have any reward in the kingdom of heaven, you just told me how you're going to get it. You just told me how you're going to achieve that. By thinking that you could just hear this message and go off and have a good time and do what you want. So all Israel is saved and, and the entire Adamic race has eternal life. That's what the scripture says. It says it very explicitly in several places. And that's what we as Christians should believe. But that doesn't mean that we're all going to sharing the same benefits, privileges, luxuries, what, whatever you want to think about what the kingdom of heaven might be, there is not communism. It's not Marxist. We don't all have the same exact fate and share in the blessings of God. That's just a yeah, fact like of life that we have to face up to. If you are a traitor in life, you're not going to have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. Right. And I think Paul explains that, like, he will be preserved, yet so by fire, but he's not going to have all his works will just be burned away. And that's something that people can't grasp, especially if they've come from a Catholic background, because they, they only have that, you know, you're going to hell or you're going to heaven. They don't have the idea that, oh, one race already has an immortal spirit from God and then they're rewarded according to their works by God, whereas the other races, they're not going to receive a reward. They're just done away with. Well, well, you know what? If NATO wasn't such a bitch, and I hope he hears this, 
If NATO wasn't such a bitch, maybe he would talk to me about some of that stuff before he went mocking it on CFT. He mocked our interpretation of Daniel chapter 12. I saw it in some of the material you posted, but he doesn't properly cross-reference it with first, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, where Paul spoke about a man's works being burnt up in a fire, but the man himself still being saved, but having no reward. And second, with the parable of Christ that Walt had just mentioned, the parable of the talents, where the servant that hid his talent in the ground ended up with nothing. But he was still there. Yeah, he does that a lot. Like, he'll, he'll only present part of our argument and then refute part of it. And he doesn't, um, he'll play word games like, he cut Genesis 6, 9 in half, and it's got nothing to do about race. But if you check the first half of the verse, it's actually using a word that means race. And the, the verse is about race. Like Noah was perfect in abiding in his race. This, it says, Genesis 6, 9 says, this is the race of Noah, and Noah was perfect in his abiding. CFT right. cuts off the first part of that and says, look, Bill's wrong. Bill's wrong about Genesis 6 9, and it's like, wait. That, there's he's two not words there. wrong because you cut it in half. You know, these word games, he's always forgetting verses. That, there's two words there that are translated as generation, I believe, and the first word is toledah, and toledah means descent. It means genetic descent when you talk about people. And the other word is door, and door is, I believe, an abiding because it's what's left of what you were originally were. Okay? That word door, it, it has several general purpose meanings in Hebrew, but one of them is an, abide, an abiding. In that context, I may have translated it as remnant. Noah was what was left of the Adamic race. Noah and his family. That's why he was a door, and that word door, the Hebrew word door, I believe is the source of the Latin word dorare, which gives us the English words for durable, duration, what lasts. Noah and his family were what lasted until that time, and that's why they were saved. You know, this reminds me of, you know, some tenets of Catholicism, Orthodoxy, and even some sects of Protestantism, where they see God as, you know, this uh, anti-racist or whatever. Maybe this is something from the 21st century. And, like, he's an opportunist. Like, okay, oh, if you do good deeds, then you will reach heaven. Oh, you'll have an inheritance in heaven. You know, if, and good deeds isn't according to, oh... That nigger at work said hello to me this morning and gave me a chocolate bar. He's done a good deed. It's according to what the Bible said good deed is, which is serving people in your own race and sacrificing your own life, even even to that extent. You know, that's Christ serving, will that's say, depart from me. Christ yeah, says, depart it, from me. I never knew you. You know, if you're telling half, you know, if you want half the white race to go to hell, how are you helping the white race? If you're like, I hate my own family members because they don't understand everything I do and they're going to hell. How are you actually helping them? You you might get to the kingdom. I'm not the judge, but you might get to the kingdom and find out 
gee, I should have done a lot more for my own family, but I thought they were going to hell, so I just neglected them. You know, that's where that CFT ultimately leads to, is I'm just going to neglect my family members because they don't understand what I do. They're normies. They don't get it. So I'm not going to treat them right. And then you get to heaven and it's like, well, maybe you should have treated your own people a little bit better. And and I've said that a long time ago, that that is why forgiveness is so important. Because once we realize that we are all going to spend eternity together, we realize how important it is to be kind and love one another in this world. If you're a self-righteous douchebag to all of your brethren all your life because you think you're keeping the commandments better than they are, then you're not going to have much at all to speak for in the end. Because all men yeah. sin and fall short of the glory of God. I'm sorry, but I can't help you yeah. out. I'm one of the 144,000, and you're just <laughs> not at my level, so I'm not going to help you You know, change a cut tire on your car. Screw you. I'm one of the 144,000. Screw you. Yeah, that's the attitude. It's entirely yeah. self-righteous. It's incredibly self-righteous. Yeah. You, you drink it. You drink yeah, it I have one. blue tassels on. Uh, you're not going. Blue tassels, I know it. I'm going to start wearing the blue tassels too, Gordy, for sure. Okay, Jesse Atkinson was the blue tassel clown, said we had the whole law of the whole Old Testament. We had to be circumcised. We had to wear blue tassels. We had to do this. We had to do that. And a few months after I did that Christian Foundations paper, Jesse Atkinson announced that he wasn't a Christian identity Christian anymore, and he wasn't a Christian anymore. He was going off into paganism, and he went off into paganism. He's a pagan now. The most self-righteous asshole I ever met on Facebook who preached keeping the whole law, but who never showed me one picture of himself with blue tassels on his clothing, he is a pagan now, and that's where he belongs. Wait, Sloan's Bill, I buddy. Think you forgot. Um, I'm sorry. He wore a blue belt, you know, so that was good enough. He may not have worn blue tassels, but he wore a blue <laughs> belt, and he and he hoped that, you know, even though he wasn't technically keeping the law, it's good enough because he can write whatever he wants it to say, and so he just wore a blue belt. And so, if you're not wearing a blue belt, you're breaking the law now. <laughs> it's funny how he thinks he can just like replace the law for itself and he's still keeping it somehow it's it's incredible right it is incredible but that's how they think but he's a pagan now just like brother ryan that the um the manifestation man the law of attraction he's a satanist now he's announced it he's an avowed satanist now all of these clowns that want to mold christian identity into their own image when other people don't accept yeah. it and they can't gain a following after themselves, they go away and and they go off into some terrible heresy and that's where they belong. Like Paul said, delivered them to Satan for destruction of the flesh. Why? So that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. I guess NATO missed that one. I guess he totally missed that. He well, didn't read probably- 1 Corinthians chapter 3 or chapter 5. What a clown. That's the difference between 
forming your doctrines and your opinions about Scripture on a real study of Scripture and just being an emotional bitch like Nathan Tom, NATO, and making up a story every time you read a verse and interpreting it the way you want to. And that's what they do. But what do you mean, Bill? I cannot send my brother to hell? Is that it? Wow. Yeah, right. I'm going to become a pagan now. Well, knowing that your brother is not going to hell and that you're going to have to deal with him for eternity should give you more of a motivation to try to coax him into repentance and get him to repent and, and confronting him about his sins and helping him along the way so that he doesn't sin and, and everything you have to do to be a true brother. Because Christ said the second law, forget all the commandments. He said the first law was to love God and the second law is to love your brother as you love yourself. So on those two commandments, hang all the law and the prophets. So if those two are the first commandments, that second law isn't even in the book of Deuteronomy. It's only in Leviticus. You won't find it in Exodus. You will find examples of it in Exodus, but you won't find it spelled out in Exodus. And your brother or your neighbor is one of the children of thy people. So love your neighbor as yourself is the second most important law. So what you do? You had sex with that girl? Oh, you're drinking a beer. You're going straight to hell. <laughs> you evil person. You wicked person. Get away from me. I never want to see you again. That's the, that's the Baptist ass clown attitude. That's how they think. And I've had two beers since we started here. And it's only been an hour and a half. So I guess I'm going to hell with you, James. I'm sorry you're breaking up, James. <laughs> You know, um, you know how Paul said, oh, go ahead, brother. You know how we were talking about Paul and like, um, all our works will burn away that are, you know, that are not profitable. That's actually in the Old Testament where the idolatrous and idolatrous and vain nations, they were burned by fire. They were destroyed by God, like the Assyrians and the Babylonians. They were destroyed by fire, and they were idolatrous, vain nations. And so Paul sort of takes that into the New Testament, and now all the vanities of man are burned away in the fire in the same way that those vain nations were. So we're tried by that same fire. It does just a little side, side thought. That That's right. The fires of the Old Testament were a lot more literal than the fires we're tried with today. <laughs> I think. Sodom and Gomorrah too. That's another one I forgot. Yeah, Bill. Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed by fire. Sodom and Gomorrah and Lots the fire that came, came down upon the altar of Elijah with which the priests of Baal were destroyed, but they weren't destroyed by the fire. They were destroyed by the Israel when they saw the fire. That's an that. example. Is... That's an example we should oh. also learn from. When, when these freaking cities start to burn, 
because these niggers are, are taught are, are are treated like people and they start to burn our cities people should understand that that's the fire of judgment from God they should go out and hang the fucking politicians that made them treat those niggers like people they should be pissed off at their bow priests for treating those niggers like people causing that fire to come down on their cities there's a lot of lessons in the Old Testament that preachers should preach, but they'll never have the courage to do it. But that's a good example. I, I'm glad you made me think of that. You know, someone mentioned Jonah before, and this is similar. It's like, um, I think Baked Beans mentioned it in the chat, and he says, like, it's Jonah, Jonah's whale, like, similar to Leviathan. Because in the Old Testament, Leviathan is like representative of world Jewry, and Leviathan dwells in the sea, and the sea represents all the non-white races. So yes. this this whale that swallows Jonah, it's like he's being swallowed by the non-white races of the world. He's being swallowed by our enemies. He's being, you know, he's three days in death, and then you turn to the New Testament, and and Peter sinking into the sea. Peter's sinking into the sea when he goes to meet christ in the middle of the sea and he goes christ save me save me as he's sinking into the sea and christ reaches out his hand and pulls up peter so i was just going to mention like um that connection too is like the sea out of the serpent's mouth the trials by fire it's all in the old testament too bill absolutely i i hope to do um i, I don't know man it's on my desktop right now my, my entire text of my revelation of my Christ Reich book, and I'm going to start making podcasts out of it on Sunday, or at least start making the first podcast of it on Sunday. I really hope to, to make it much more comprehensive than I did in 2011. We'll see. Maybe it'll be 40 podcasts instead of... I doubt it, but we'll see. <laughs> Bill, um, speaking of Christ Reich, um, the mark of the beast, there's a lot of people saying that uh, the jab is the mark of the beast and a bunch of fear porn about that, um, which it probably could be because I think it's, um, it's plural. The mark of the beast is plural, like uh, – like you were saying one time that uh, race mixers with their little bastard hybrid children, that's also a mark of the beast, correct? Yes, I believe so. That There's signs that people worship the beast. And, and I'm sorry, Joe, I didn't finish. I think that's a great observation to compare that fact that there's going to be no more sea with the story of Jonah. That, that really is good. Thank you. That the... Um, I didn't go so far as to say that the COVID vaccination was the mark of the beast. Because the mark of the beast to me is evidently people going along with the teachings or preachings of the dragon and the false prophet. And this is definitely a sign that one has the mark of the beast when they volunteer themselves to get that vaccination. 
and they do it so that they could go on and get along and, and don't care about God, don't care about his word, even the supposed Christians who's supposed to know their Bible, these Baptists and, and Lutherans and Catholics that claim to be Christians and claim to be pious, and they're listening to these popes and to Fauci and the people at CNN and all these media outlets, and they are afraid based on the words of other men. Are you fucking kidding me? Is that Christian? I've never feared the words of another man in my life. Never. You fear God. You don't fear the words of another man. You're going to do what to me? I don't believe you. Fuck you. I said that to U.S. attorneys when I was fucking indicted. Fuck you. I'm not going to be afraid of the words of another man. Yeah, I may not have been fan. pious all my life. I've been a sinner most of my life, but I've never been afraid of the words of another man. You fear God. A Christian should know to fear God. Nothing that happens on that television is going to make me afraid. But the whole nation is in fear and worshiping the words of these other men and going out and pumping aborted fetal tissue into their veins because of what some man says. Yeah, maybe that COVID vaccine isn't the mark of the beast, but you've got the mark of the beast because where the name of God is written on your forehead and on your right hand, if you go back into the law, it might be like Deuteronomy chapter 6 or something like that. It talks about the law, the commandments being written on your head and on your right hand. So that explains that the mark of the beast is really you obeying the beast, the system, rather than obeying and keeping the commandments of God. That's what the mark of the beast is. So your who are you going man, to obey? Your fear of man and your love of mammon, the world, your job, your your comforts, your vices, all that over God. Yeah, that that kind of love is the love of the material things that the world stipulates from the fear rather than the love of God. Well, how I've told other people how I've read from Fink, I think he put it so succinctly, is the mark on your forehead and on your hand, that's what you think and what you do. And if you're going to choose to not uphold the law of Yahweh, well, there's your mark. Right, yeah. yeah. Eric Eric had that. He did. Yeah. Yeah, uh, can I bring up another uh, verse in Revelation? Uh it's chapter 18, I believe it's verse 23. The last part of that verse, I don't have a Bible in front of me, but the last part of that uh, verse says that that by sorcery were all the nations deceived. And this is talking about the fall of Babylon, but by sorcery were all the nations deceived. So we know that sorcery is pharmakia. We know that the jab is part of sorcery. And the whole world is deceived because they're walking around with these fucking masks on. And ever since they've been walking around with these masks on, I've been walking around saying, and the whole world's fucking deceived. Wow. So I believe that the jab and all these 
propaganda bullshit about the mask and the Delta and the Omicron and and when you take the damn uh, COVID word into the Hebrew, it's kind of spelled backwards shit. I think you spell COVID backwards, that's the Hebrew word or something like that. And it means some kind of, yeah, it means some kind of uh, possessed demon. Well, first of all, you're already possessed by the demon anyway. You fell into the lies, so that's a demon in itself. And you, you, you bought into all the Jewish lies. You bought into the Jewish education. You did everything you could to stay that good American dream man, and and you're following the system. So you're fucking brainwashed already, dude. And, you know, pharmaceutical, I mean, I think it has a big play in it for sure. But all these uh, all these different variants of this so-called virus that's been put out there uh, have different Greek letters or Greek names, you know. So it's like, wow. So like Omicron, they connected with Omega. But, you know, I don't know. But I, I think the word itself speaks for the truth. It does tell us that by sorcery where all the nation deceived, and you just take a look around and deceived by this damn sorcery and all these masks and so yeah they're worshiping the beast all right and they already have the mark of the beast that's just one sign of them having the mark of the beast i think and it's yeah, funny your wife around. found that movie i think it's funny your wife found that 1963 movie called Omicron. oh ain't that some shit she just shared <laughs> that with me a while ago ain't that, ain't that some shit <laughs> these yeah the 1963 movie it's uh these people were yeah, I mean, tested the experiment then, and <laughs> they had these demonic uh, spirits come in. But uh, yeah, but Bill, hell, Bill Gates goes back to 1999 where he had he had a game that Microsoft had called Omicron. So you you know they've been they've been playing these games for a while, and I think the Jews know how to play with the words, just like they tampered with our Bible. You know, they tampered with everything. They tampered with our education. And people are just going to keep biting the hook, man, until they have that fear of their life come down up on them. I get well, it. I'm, I'm looking at some language in the King James Version, and and where it, it's kind of strange, right? Because if you look at it is, and and if you want, if y'all want to know what I'm looking at, I'm I'm looking at my. Where am I here? There. That's my real computer over there. That the, this is only my laptop that I stream on. That the word for forehead in Revelation is a Greek word that is metopon. You know, like Mesopotamia means between the rivers. Well, metopon or metopon means between the eyes, and the King James translators knew to translate that forehead. In the Revelation. Well, if you go back to Exodus, now I'm lost, right? I think I lost it. No, I didn't. Exodus chapter 13. To keep the commandments. And, and Yahweh's talking about the commandments. And he said, the law. He says, and it shall be for a sign unto thee upon thine hand and for a memorial, a memorial between thine eyes. 
So it's weird that the Greek term that literally means between the eyes, the King James translators had known to translate it as forehead, which is fine. But in the Hebrew, in Exodus, they didn't ever trans or Deuteronomy. They never translated it as they always translated it as a similar Hebrew word as between nine eyes. They translated it literally, even though it's basically saying the same thing. So, because of that, people failed to put it together. If it had said forehead there in Exodus, maybe more people would have put that together with the mark of the beast, like Eric did. So, so in Exodus chapter 13, Deuteronomy chapter 6, the, the commandments in Deuteronomy chapter 6, And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. That's the right hand and the forehead of the revelation and the mark of the beast. It's the same thing. We should interpret it the same way. The right hand and the forehand is basically where we should have the laws of God, but instead we're worshiping the beast. So we have his mark, on our right hand and our forehead, allegorically speaking. Yeah, but try to yeah. teaching something like that with a. Uh, sorry, try to teaching that to a Judeo pastor. He's gonna say, "Oh, the mark of the beast is the swastika." Yeah, right. Well, the mark of the beast may not be the COVID vaccination, but the COVID vaccination demonstrates to me that those people that get it voluntarily, so that why? So that they could keep their jobs and live comfortable lives and make money, that they, they have the mark of the beast. They don't care about God. I think it's a good so, example. Basically, what you just described, I may not be understanding it correctly seem that and we know that the mark of the beast is in a direct contrast to the laws of yahweh but by accepting or by disregarding the laws of yahweh and the commandments just by doing that because we have the law written on our forehead and in our hand contradicted and turning aside from them and going into horde on accepted the mark of the beast automatically because it's a direct it's in direct opposition well right i believe so i mean look at revelation chapter 9 what where it talks about sorceries which is pharmakia and and you know judeo pastors aren't aren't ever going to teach this either but that's actually speaking about the fall of the Byzantine Empire and ultimately the fall of Constantinople. And, and it said, and the rest of the men which were not killed by these plagues, which is talking about the Islamic invasions of Europe, yet repented not of the works of their hands. So right there we see that the Islamic invasions and the fall of the Byzantine Empire should have been viewed by men as a condemnation of that society and its idolatry. Right there. And like I said about the niggers burning cities, they should have went and hung their priests and, and their false prophets for teaching them idolatry by which they suffered these things.
these Muslim invasions. So it, it's no different. The Muslim invasions are no different that, than the Dindu revolution going on in all our cities. <laughs> yeah. That uh, these, the that they were killed, that they would be, the rest of the men that were not killed by these plagues, yet didn't repent of their worship of the works of their hands, that they should not worship devils and idols of gold and silver and brass, and on and on down the line. Neither repented they of their murders, nor of their sorceries. And, and that's right in Revelation chapter 9. And then in Revelation chapter 18, speaking about Mystery Babylon and the fall of Babylon, it says, for by thy sorceries were all the nations deceived. And that's today. And we pray Babylon falls soon, but that's today. Amen. Is the woman married to the beast? Is she joined to the beast in, in Revelation, Bill? Well, yeah, she's married exactly to the beast. It doesn't have to be a, a, a formal marriage at a chapel. Oh well, it's just that what um, James was saying. Like, if, if she's got the law of the beast, well, then the law comes from the husband. So now she's married to the beast, and she has the beast law, you know, because she's married to a beast. His world, you know, which is the world order yeah. over now. Well, well, when, yeah, just like an old whole lad beast. When all of our Western Christian nations agreed to participate in this international Jewish monetary system, weren't they marrying the beast? Didn't the Jew become the husband? That's where our laws come from. Like, a lot of the things we know from history, from the Old Testament, about how, like, Satan's always behind sorcery, and then we have, like, the poisonous vipers that strike, you know, half of the Israelites, not half, but some of the Israelites dead in the Old Testament, and they have to look to the cross of Christ to be saved. You know, it's like those things are happening in our world today. It's like a common theme that repeats itself, like Satan's character, right. his inherent intrinsic character is always the same. He's always associated with sorcery. He's associated with venom and poison and serpents. And it's like this vaccine is a venom, it's a poison. And then who's behind it? The serpents, the serpent race, you know? It is definitely a venom. That's a good analogy right there. Think about the things in that vaccine. Come on, aborted fetuses? Do you know how repulsive that is? Wow. Yeah, like you're going to inject that into you? There is nothing I could imagine more repulsive than that. That there are a couple of purian things, but no. Nothing's more repulsive than having aborted fetuses fed right into your body through a needle. You know, another thing. Against the laws of God, uh, if you look at Genesis 9, blood, Leviticus 17, 11, verse uh, 14, and Deuterine, that's exactly what we're putting in us, dead aborted fetal tissue. Right. But also the loss of life injecting in us, which is completely uh, satanic. Right. It's, it's, it's satanic on a higher level than simple violations of the food laws, but it does violate the food laws. Because you're eating that. Even if you're taking it through a needle, you're eating that. You're voluntarily putting that into your body. And it is satanic because it's like eating your babies. But think about this. Part of the punishment 
of the children of Israel and the children of Judah when they were taken into Assyrian captivity and Babylonian captivity was that they would eat their own babies and we're doing it again today. They're eating their babies. I, I did an article back about uh, six or eight years ago. This girl in London disappeared. She was being groomed. These Muslims later bragged that they had cut her up and put her in the food that they sell deli. And the people of London were eating their own babies when they went to that shop and got a sandwich. They were they were that's part of our punishment. And and when it's all over and all said and done with, every motherfucker that voluntarily ate his own babies is gonna know it. They're gonna know it. Whether it's through a, a sandwich in a Muslim sandwich shop because they disappeared your daughters because you weren't watching out for your own daughters and protecting them from the beasts so you deserve to eat them or whether it's a vaccine you're going to know it and these people are going to know they ate their own children and what kind of disgrace is that going to be I don't want to face that day I mean who knows what we've eaten during our lives but I wouldn't want that to face that no. Like in uh, the Holodomor famine, they were eating corpses due to starvation also. Right. That reminds me of Molly Tibbetts' story. It's, it's not that the father ate the daughter, but, you know, he would rather have the Mexicans instead of, you know, losing his tacos. That's why I don't eat at non-white restaurants because I don't like to imagine the thought of like a non-white touching my food and preparing it. So I avoid non-white restaurants for sure. Yeah. I wanted to add uh, a part to the voluntary part and the mark of the beast to reinforce what Joe was talking about earlier as far as Jonah and then later with Peter, um, you know, being swallowed into the sea by the whale. Um, which some, I don't know, could be argued that could represent this Leviathan, I guess, maybe. But the point is that Jonah voluntarily um, lost his faith and rejected what he was told. And then Peter also lost his faith and began to sink. But uh, it's just a common denominator I wanted to point out. Yeah, well, Jonah was... Jonah was chastised by the whales in a way. I'm not saying that's proven. I'm not saying that's the only valid interpretation. I'm being poetic. Like, isn't it interesting how the Leviathan is in the sea and also Jonah was swallowed by a whale? And he's like chastised by the whale because he's like, oh, I'm not going to um, Assyria. Was it Assyria? I'm not right. going there. And then um, God chastises him with the whale and now he's like obedient to God. And it's like that's the plan we see in scripture a lot is that God uses his enemies to chastise us, to make us conform to his will. And so this whale chastises Jonah and now he conforms. But what happens in, with another point with the sea is the Israelites cross the sea and they're preserved at the time of Moses. The Egyptians go to cross the sea and they're swallowed by the sea. And what happens in history, the Egyptians fall to the niggers and the Israelites are taken away in captivity to Europe and they're preserved. So it's like you see it in history, what happened at the sea sort of happened. Yeah, sort of happened in history with the Egyptians because right. they were swallowed by the sea. Peter wasn't swallowed by the sea. Christ pulled him up 
and saved him. And like the the flood out of the serpent's mouth didn't get Peter, but it like God said he gave up Egypt, and what and what he give him up to the um, Negroes. What were they? The Nubians, right? right. Nubians no, over call. in Egypt, eighth century. Right. Good. Right. Good call. And I wouldn't want to. I, I wasn't trying to reference that aspect between all of them, Joe. Only uh, what we we're talking about is the uh, the um, submitting part of it, uh, trying to correlate it with the vaccine thing. That's all I meant. But yeah, good call. Something I wanted to, to put to you, Bill. I'm sure it's been brought up before. I don't know the first person that's probably mentioned it, but with the mark of the beast and what you were again, what you're saying with the laws of Yahweh, you know, written, you know, our minds and in our hand, and then the mark, of the same thing, also the mark of the beast, also being the forehead and the right hand, and where it talks about, you know, you have to take the mark of the mark of the beast you won't be able to buy or sell or trade or do all these things in the King James well if you look at it in the way we're just talking about it if nowadays if you go to the store and you buy something okay you're already pretty well I mean we're in we're in captivity so you're already breaking the law there because you're going to be supporting the Jew because they have the shipping yards they have the docks the ports you're going to be supporting the chink because they make the auto parts and the the little trinkets and everything that's plastic that gets put over here at the farmers you know a lot of the farms are owned by chinks or by by the jews or by corporations that are jew run so you cannot do business nowadays without uh we do our best but you can't actually go to town and do business without breaking the law of Yahweh because you're going to be supporting another race or a bastard, however you want to look at it. So the only way to keep from doing that is just be on, if, if you're a recluse and have 10 acres and you can produce everything you need, but then you're still going to be paying property taxes to a, a Jew-run government, so then you're still going to be breaking the law. Definitely rough times. So we're kind, of, we're kind of stuck in that. Yeah, we're like slaves. We're like in bondage to Babylon. Exactly. And sin is a so, punishment. Uh, That's just a punishment on top of a punishment of being in captivity in the first place. A lot of quagmire of sin. And I wasn't saying that to to say that we should just willingly break the law that, or, or we should just excuse being in violation of the law. But just to acknowledge that no matter what we do, you go to the gas station and you fill up your car, most likely a, a sand nigger is going to be profiting off of that. Uh, or at least a, some Jew somewhere is going to profit off of it. So you've just made them money. Yeah, there's nothing pure so world. Yeah, we're, we're just stuck in where whenever we're in Babylon and we're well, now you're not a well, now you're not a part of the 144,000 and you're going to hell. 
this is simply what happens when we fall the don't follow Yahweh's law and uh, we're in violation of Deuteronomy 28 we're the, we're the tail and that's what happens we haven't separated ourselves from the heathen and these other people and now we're suffering the curses of it as you always said absolutely all yeah. those curses yeah. of disobedience right. and we have no choice in, in we can make small choices in our personal life about things that we will accept we all have our vices uh, and that too all of our vices <laughs> somewhere, I mean, if we smoke a cigarette or drink a beer there's a few somewhere going to make some money off of it so uh, even that is, is playing into it so well those curses of disobedience I'm sorry James but how, how do you really how does a person nowadays get a less question that's that's not me being a smart ass that's just an honest question nowadays how does uh, you take somebody that might get away from it but day to day we're confronted from with it you know, I think we're in captivity there's going to be a lot of things that you have to do in order to survive that you're not going to like but we're basically still in captivity but you shouldn't blatantly break the law. Nobody should force you to break the law. So if something's a direct violation of the law, you just don't do it. Right. There's the, the, the obvious things, you know, of course, race mixing and, and all that. The, the obvious ones, but it's all subtle things that we do every day that, that we don't. Not really all of them are direct violations of the law. Abraham bought a cave to bury his kin from a Hittite. And it was okay that he did that. He was in a position where he had to do it. But the Hittite wanted to give Abraham the cave. And Abraham said, no, you're not going to give it to me. I'm going to pay you for it. Because Abraham didn't want to be indebted to the Hittite. Which would open a floodgate for sin. So don't be indebted to them. Don't owe them nothing. Do what you have to do and move on. Would a good way to say it be the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law? Well, honestly, in, in the letter of the law, there's nothing wrong with buying a, a shoe from a nigger. Where's that, where, where, where's that barred in the letter of the law? It actually says that you should charge them interest, but don't charge your brother interest. We're, we're stuck in this world of sin. So there's some things that we're just going to have to fucking do. It, it's like I go shopping with my wife at fucking Walmart to buy toilet paper and paper towels because they're half the price of the supermarket. So I ain't going to buy nothing else at Walmart but toilet paper and paper towels because Walmart purposely prices that stuff cheap to suck you into the store to buy a lot of other shit. So I'm just going to buy my toilet paper and my paper towels and leap and fuck Walmart. So am I sinning because I did business with Walmart? Where else do I buy toilet paper and paper towels? Do I pay some other Jew twice as much because Walmart is a worse company than the other Jews company? No, they're all bad. So, like Abraham, I'm just going to take what I need and give him the money and leave. 
I'm not going to take them home with me for a barbecue. I'm not going to let them use any of my toilet paper. <laughs> the hell with that. No. Some things we just got to do in order to survive. Abraham I'll needed present. that plot of land to bury his family, but he made sure he just paid that Hittite, Hittite what it was worth, and he didn't invite him to the funeral. What wasn't that a sin of ancient Israel? Isn't that like the sin of Mystery Babylon? Is that they made alliances to sell their goods to the other nations, and then they accepted their gods, and um. That, that's why they were called a whore, is because they were like whoring themselves out rather Right, than international trade way. was their sin. Yeah, so if you buy a shoe from a nigger, couldn't that... I'm not sure where it is in the law. I'm just bringing this up so you can address that side of it. Like if you brought a shoe from a nigger, isn't that international trade? And they, they shouldn't even exist anyways. But The, the difference is... <laughs> The difference is this. This is the difference I see. Abraham was alone in Canaan. It wasn't his country. It wasn't his nation. And he had to deal with a Hittite when he needed something. So he bought it and he made sure that he owed the Hittite no favors. We're in that same position today. This isn't our country anymore. Our people have sold our countries to our enemies. It's not our country anymore. We are prisoners, so we have to eat the prison food. Well, well, that's the way I see it. That that's this country I'm in, right here. It's not my country. If it was my country, there would be a fucking nigger in it, not one. But it's not my country. My ancestors and and. That their contemporaries sold it to some kike. And now he's making the laws. They married themselves to the beast. So now the beast makes the laws. It ain't my country. We're all in the land of Canaan once again. Waiting for Sodom and Gomorrah to be destroyed. That's where we are. But that's just another part of the captivity where we're here. As long as we're not in direct violations, then we just do what we have to for trade and for goods and services to where we can live our lives and do the best we can in Babylon. But you know, if we can find a lot man to do the job, we hire him good. Or, you know, if we can get the goods and services from a local person, then we're better off to do that, of course. But then if you have to go to, like you said, with toilet paper and paper towels, you know, you ain't got no choice. The, the, the so, children of Israel had their own nation. They were told to exterminate all the other people. The other people weren't even people. They weren't even people. They had no rights as citizens. They weren't even people. They were outsiders. They were always going to be outsiders. And they could build their own economy and have a godly nation and a godly economy based on those simple principles. Where today, you do you think England is English? England hasn't been English since the Bank of England was founded. America hasn't been American since the Civil War and the 14th Amendment and the Federal Reserve. These countries aren't ours. 
we're outsiders. We're the aliens. These countries belong to Satan. They belong to our enemies. And we gave it to them, just like it says in Revelation chapter 17, that they would hand their kingdom over to the beast. None of these countries were ours. Not since King Edward threw the fucking Jews out of England. <laughs> That's the last time England was English. Roger that. I guess, like, if no. I brought it... Sorry, man. What we got to do to survive and, and do the best we can to not be in direct violation of Yahweh's commandments and laws. Absolutely. But, yeah, but in the meantime... You might be out of gas in your truck or down to your last 10 gallons and you stop at a gas station. And guess what? It's owned by a freaking packy. So you just wait for 10 more gallons, which ain't going to get you far, and, and run out of gas on purpose so you can call a wrecker. And then the wrecker comes and guess what? It's a nigger. <laughs> You're just screwed, man. <laughs> you either buy gas from the packy or you get gas from the wrecker and it's a nigger. What are you going to do? <laughs> well, I suppose it becomes a sin when you, when you like, buy the chocolate bar and you accept them too. Like, you accept the world religion. Like, say, Cadbury or the chocolate bar company supports LGBT, and I buy their chocolate bar because I'm hungry, there's nothing else there to eat, and then I also accept their religion. I also accept the LGBT and all this other crap. Like, if I take the vaccine... I'm really, really participating in the world religion then because I'm letting them even change my genetics. But so, like, there's a way to be a, live in Babylon and not be part of Babylon and not accept the religion of Babylon, I suppose. Well, right. And sometimes you know I mean? it's hard lines to draw, Joe. It's hard lines to draw. And, and we have to seek to please God first. But... I wouldn't sit at a table at a restaurant and hobnob with, with a, somebody of another race or, or invite them to my house or do anything crazy like that. You might have to work, with, work with one at your place of work. You know, if, I ordered, if I ordered like a hot dog at a restaurant and I see the nigga touch my hot dog, I'm just sending it back. Just... <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, I think I think I found a fly in my hot dog. You send me another one, and this time, make sure it comes with that Irish girl, because <laughs> I don't want the nigga touching my hot dog when he brings it out, or my, you know, whatever, my burger, uh, my chips. I'm sure that uh, Drotty has uh, probably come across this a bunch being over the road, but there's times you walk into. Uh, you know, you park in a truck stop and go in to get something to eat, and it's just the restaurant is full of niggers, and you just stop from the door and look around and walk out and go get you some beef jerky and some chunks of cheddar cheese or something. And just yep. open <laughs> open up a can open up a can of tuna. <laughs> oh God, he can tell so many stories on that tuna and ramen noodles. Yeah, I have my fill of that shit, too. No, noodles. No, never. <laughs> Y'all hold this down and keep talking for five minutes, and I'll be right back. I'm getting old, man. I used to be able to go four or five hours. Now it's only been two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, coffee does the same thing to me. I've got a pee cup here in the truck, man.
<laughs> so what are some of your stories then, Geordi, when you've had to make that you walk to a restaurant, it's like all chinks in there, you're like, I'm not eating this. Exactly. So I like turn around. Peanut. Yeah. Uh, peanut butter, uh, tuna. <clears throat> I keep a lot of food in the truck for emergencies, especially in the wintertime, but I usually try to buy groceries to avoid shit like that. But still, though, you got to get them from somewhere. Walmart, you know, some supermarket. You don't know where your money's going. So in the end, I guess it really doesn't matter because we're sacrificing to their gods. Whether we see it as that or not, that's how they see it. Like these missionaries, they give donations to shithole countries those little uh, shit skins, are they thinking us or our God? They're thinking their God, whatever coconut God or whatever they worship. A <laughs> coconut God. Um, it's out of our hands, man. But all we can do is try to avoid that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I think there's like a verse in the Old Testament. It's like, I increase their gold, and they prepared it for bow. So it's like God's given us all these blessings, and what do we do with it? to like missionaries in Africa, Africa. And, yeah. and then what, you know, it's like you're helping the enemy. Mm-hmm. And there's that verse in Sirach that says, feed not, uh, feed not the ungodly. You know, like if, if the ungodly starving, you don't feed the ungodly. Right. You feed your also, own people. Also the feast of charity, how they eat without fear you know, yeah, that's no, really no thanks, <laughs> no, no thanks, no fear, nothing. Like, like they're, they're they, they actually believe they're kingly, they're royalty or something. Yeah, feeding them without yeah. fear, eyes full of adultery. And you know, the thing about that is, is if everything they've taken from us will be required of them in the end. So they're not going to free meal in the end because if they take that crumb. Like we were saying earlier, if they take that crumb from Christ, um, Paul said, those who feast unworthily um, are eating themselves judgment. Or so I can't remember. Maybe Bill can remember the verse exactly or better than I can. But they're going to be judged for that. And that crumb that they take from us, that they're feeding on Israel, like God says, they're feeding on my holy mountain. That's all going to be required from them. And they're not going to be able to make the payment. It's going to be exactly. a death sentence for them. Exactly. Like, they, they, can never, they, they can never repay all that they've taken from us and all the evil they've done against us. But wait a minute. Wasn't the ungodly just those who didn't believe in Christ? <laughs> it can be impious. In the, in the Old Testament, it can, it can refer to men of our own race who are impious. They don't care about God. Right. Go to a grocery store or Walmart around here, uh, and you see all these. Uh, any given day, or Walmart or whatever, and and with crosses, with little boards they cut out in crosses with barbed wire on them, and, and little messages and stuff written on them. And you walk by, and they do the truck stops too. You walk by and they ask you if you want to buy another one. Well, what's it for? 
oh, well, this is for our mission in Congo or our mission in wherever, some non-white country that they're selling these little trinkets for. And then they're going to take your money and try to go convert a nigger of some sort. And you're just, you're just throwing your money at them. And people do it all the time. Yep. Like yeah, all these corporations. All these corporations giving money to BLM, uh, ADL, Southern Poverty bullshit. Damn news. They're, they're traitors. They're so treacherous. But one of the hundred proofs was um, Europe became Christian on the first wave of the Apostles of Christ. They, they converted immediately. And how many waves of missionaries have uh, Africa had? And they don't, they, they can never become Christian. It doesn't matter how many missionaries you send to Africa, they just revert right back to cannibalism. And, you know, they don't see it as a sin. So they just revert back to their natural state. And, it, and that was one of the hundred proofs was a Europe convert immediately. We didn't need constant missionaries giving us food to convince us. Oh yeah, yeah. I believe in Jesus. Give me more food. Give me more. I'm starving. Give me more food. You know, we believed because we believed in the message. Yeah, they're genetically uh, incapable of grasping the truth. They're zero percent. When Christ said there's no truth in them, that means zero percent, none. Uh, you, you, you're. No disrespect to dog owners. <laughs> but you can bring your dog in from outside and house train it. And you can teach it to set the chair at the table and be mannerly. But you're not going to get that dog to say a blessing over the meal. It's, <laughs> it ain't going to happen. Yeah, there's no good ones. Sorry, they can mimic human behavior, but they'll never be human. How's Otto doing? You know, something that you were talking about earlier about commerce with the world, it would be great if there were, were just some way that we might be able to have something like on the uh, like on the rocket chat, like a, uh, a barter section or a um, or like a, like a wanted section, right? So if someone was looking for something or needed something or if someone, you know, wanted to barter, then at least that way when we you know, when we did some kind of, you know, uh, trade, it would, at least it would be with their own kind, right? But just, yeah. That'd be great, be but I, yeah, yeah, I don't, we're all kind of far apart, Martin. There's always, there's always UPS, right? Yeah, I just don't know how practical it is. If you want to give it a try, I mean, I'll try anything that well, the, helps the, the any other, of us yeah, out, but. Yeah, yeah, the other thing is, I think that even with bartering, that, that the, that the IRS, or not the IRS, but, you know, just Zog in general, that they want to, you know, try and stand out, and that there's, that there's a uh, regulation against it, but, yeah, it'd be nice. The lag in the Martin, chat. You're, my, you're real, you're real quiet, I can't hardly hear, hear you, maybe I'm the only one. Martin's mic is always too low. It's been a 10-year problem now. 
maybe uh, 12. Right. 12 years. Chris Agani is 13 years old in another week. Happy birthday. Hello. I wish I was 13 years old again. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I wouldn't want to be 13 today. These kids, and yeah, any kid that's aware today, all these 20-year-olds we have here, Zeph, Hans, Noble, I, I mean, they must be absolutely miserable today <laughs> to find one kid that agrees with them about half of what they believe. They must yes, be miserable. Evan yeah. is 20, and he <laughs> struggles. He used to have a lot of friends in high school, and then once he left high school, his friends just kind of dropped off. Um he doesn't really talk to his friends anymore. Um, I think he's just too much for them. And, of course, my 10-year-old, Glenn, he doesn't really have any friends because he's homeschooled. And even if he did have friends, probably wouldn't last long. They'd probably, they probably wouldn't understand him either. But well, you know, being, you got you to gotta get Evan on the chat. We have a lot of 20-somethings. He was going to be here tonight, but um, he has to work very early in the morning. Um, he, he really wanted to be here, though. Now, what company makes you work early in the morning on New Year's, New Year's Day? The produce department. <laughs> okay. Food City? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Knoxville. Knoxville. Yes. <laughs> That's all right. Maybe I'll stop by the Food City Knoxville next time we drive through town. Oh, he would love that. He would absolutely love it. Yeah, we stop and see him sometimes. Last time we did, his boss thought we were just customers and took off running. <laughs> and I was dressed normal. I didn't have a swastika shirt or anything this time. <laughs> I've worn them out. They don't get good re they they don't get good results. You don't make a lot of friends wearing swastika shirts around. That's now, why I haven't I worn this out in public him, yet. You can't tell David anything. He already knows. You can't tell him nothing. I have not worn this in public yet. I think it's about the third time I've worn it. I should wear it in public one day when I feel like a fight. Then I will. I definitely wear that. I'll, can we <laughs> order those or or uh, no? Like, I mean. Uh, you know, Melissa gets these specialty items from these places online. She looks for them where she can get shit for free being a first-time customer or for dirt cheap. And they got me the shirt back in the summer. So here, here, here's one that you won't see anywhere else. There's only one other deck That's in the world. That's a great shirt. There's only one other deck in the world, right? Arise and Thresh playing cards. <laughs> Oh, man. Right there. <laughs> wow. That is awesome. <laughs> Melissa just got them made for me one day on a whim because she found some website that gives you this stuff dirt cheap if you're a first-time customer, and she takes advantage of that. I, I got a Christagenia blanket and all kinds of stuff like that that she just shops for deals online, and and she finds this stuff. I, I don't know. It's pretty cool. I had a mug here. She she never filled it, though. She gave me eggnog instead. I'm going to have to send her a text. I want another beer, damn it. Eggnog? 
you drank that stuff. I I was I love eggnog. in the chat a minute ago. I wish I wish more women were here. I I kind of feel like uh uh weird, but um uh where is Melissa? How come Melissa doesn't come here in the chat? Because she has to listen to me all damn day, I guess. <laughs> She usually moderates the chat for me, just keeps an eye on it, the text chat, right? But I guess she's here all, she listens to me all day. She doesn't want to listen to these. I, I don't know. She might be out back with Brad right now because Brad said he's listening, but they're listening on the stream and not here on the video server. This is being broadcast on the stream, on the radio streams. Okay, wow, I didn't know that. Um, but, well, if she hears this, I hope she hears me say, hello, Melissa, yeah. come say hi to me sometime, call me or something. Yeah, we're, we're hoping, I think we're going to get up that way in February, and, and we'll try to get with you. We will. Yeah, man, we'll get a drunk along. <laughs> <laughs> A drunkle? Is that like getting drunk on Dunkle? I don't like getting drunk. <laughs> getting drunk sucks, man. I, I like my yeah. beer, but I try to moderate it. And I'm a total well, square. I don't drink or smoke or anything. And, um, yeah. <laughs> but for some reason, I've loved eggnog all my life. But I'll tell you what, if I could drink this shit, I definitely ain't a Jew. <laughs> <laughs> Milk and honey all the way, baby. <laughs> I need to yeah, find some like non-pasteurized raw milk. You know, in Tennessee, that's really hard to find. I think Virginia, you got to get a cow-sharing program. When we lived in Bristol, the closest cow... You got to buy, like, an eighth or a tenth of a cow. And that entitles you to buy, to buy so much milk every week which when i looked into it it was like you bought a portion of a cow and you could buy up to two gallons a week but you had to travel 30 minutes for it and i wasn't going to drink two gallons a week just my wife and i so it was never worth it for me here i buy raw milk here there are several stores where i could just go to the store and buy raw unpasteurized unhomogenized milk so we do drink raw milk whenever we can here. But in Virginia and Tennessee, it's practically impossible to find it. And when you wow. find it in Virginia, you're going to buy a portion of a cow. And even then, you could only have like two gallons a week, which, yeah. Christine, there with your kids, two gallons ain't going to go far. No, it, it wouldn't. Right. But there was a place here um, in in Tennessee. They owned, it was a, it was a family. They owned a farm. And, um, but, and they had a business for the raw milk, but you had to be part of like their club or something. It was like a, like a shopping club and they only opened so many times a year and they only offered so much. So yeah. it, they, and they catered more towards, um, churches. So that left us out totally. I'm so sure. a lot of those, like Arkansas had that same type of thing. Uh, with the ownership of a cow in a lot of states, if you thank you, you own your own cow and milk it, you can legally drink milk. But there's lots of states where milk from 
off the farm is not legal to sell. If you own a a percentage of a cow or own a share in a cow, then technically you're part owner to part. Okay. That's how they get around all that USDA bullshit. Yeah, it's dumb. Like, I can buy milk in Connecticut, but I can't buy milk in Virginia. What is that? Yeah. I can I've buy tried milk. making cheese, but Roll I can't milk. because it's impossible to get the milk needed to do it. Dasho, let's hear from Dasho. I, I'm sorry, guys. I, I was just about to poke around at all the people that are here that haven't said a word yet. Dasho, what's up, man? Noble, you're next. <laughs> uh, nothing much. I've just I've been here sitting in the background drinking a drink while I'm I'm listening to everybody talk. It's uh it's it's been a hot minute, but earlier in the podcast I wanted to say something, but I didn't want to speak over anybody since y'all were having a nice conversation. I don't I don't understand their arguments when they when they make the argument about the the crumbs falling from the table. I, I I could understand. I wouldn't agree with it, but I could understand if someone used that argument to say that they deserve some charity from us, right? Tares. I, I could I could get it. I wouldn't agree with it, but I'd get it. But it, it sounds as though they're attempting to equate eternal salvation and the gift of life with crumbs. They're, yes. they're wiping their asses with it's 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 absurd even on its face you don't even have to go deep into other parts of the bible to refute it it's it's actually downright insulting to to imply that that the the gift of salvation the gift of the tree of life is is crumbs fallen from the table right that's that's nonsensical even on its face it starts it, it's, with a crumb dasho, and then they get the whole loaf. That's how it works with these people. It it has to do with feelings. That's what it is. It's it's cope. They're coping. They're 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 grasping at straws. They're trying to look for an excuse, a way if out. You, if you really think about it, when I was a kid, if we spilled, if we ate dinner and spilled food on the floor, we would get our asses spanked. Hello, Quinn. It was never good to spill food on the floor. Now, I don't know how these kids raised today. Are, today, it's totally different. I mean, Melissa and I have traveled a lot since 2014. We spent maybe a third of our time on the road in 2016, 2017. We ate in a lot of restaurants, and we would see families come in, families of three or four or five kids, and that table and around the table, the floor around the table would be a wreck when the family was done eating. And I would be absolutely embarrassed if my kids did that, and they'd all get their asses beat for doing that. They didn't spill food on the floor, and that's the way I was raised. When you ate, you ate at the table, over the plate. There's no reason to get any food on the floor. Mom and dad would be really pissed if mom had to spend the next day washing and waxing the floor because I spilled my food all over it. So it was always seen, in my opinion, as a negative thing when children spilled crumbs on the floor. It was never a good thing. Even if you think the dog's going to lick it all up, he's soiling the floor with his saliva, and, and who wants to step in that slime? Well, well anyway, it's, it's not a good thing that dogs get crumbs, but with kids, it happens. 
and God knows it happens. But that doesn't mean that because the dog caught a crumb that he's going to heaven. That That's absolutely ridiculous. But yeah, you're right, Joe. They're trying to get a doctrine out of that. And, and it's so absurd on its face. <sighs> wow. You want to smack the guy that said that up the head with a baseball bat. It's so silly. What if it's a magical crumb, Bill? What if when the dog eats the crumb, <laughs> it magically turns into a person? And then you say, hey, wait, weren't you a dog? And he's like, how dare you call me a dog? I'm a person now, you right. racist SOB. Right. All right. That's the way to think. You know, I know I've probably said before, but another common denominator I see between the little bit that I've read and seen of uh, CFT and whatnot is that they never really had a good grasp on the truth and the point in the first place. And possibly the underlying issue is just a personal issue. It's not even a scriptural issue, whether they took it from before or since in, in the case of, I don't know, maybe like NATO. I mean, I never knew much of him very much, but I just get that impression that they never had a good grasp on, you know, I have to question how much they ever really read or listen to anything from Chris Agenia in the first place. It the does seem personal. It is, is that, you know, you'll take Matthew and Mark out of context and make a, make a salvation for some crumbs, be it they don't want to touch Revelation 22, 15 when the dogs can't get in because they're right. out of Israel. They don't ever answer that. Well, right. That's a good point. But they're not whole Bible scholars. It's, like I tried to explain before, they take one verse and build an emotional argument out of it to suit themselves. They don't care about correlating things with the scripture consistently all the way through. They really don't. And, and that's a shame because these people that we're talking about all claim to be identity Christians. But they all got upset and had clashes with me at one point or another over several years of my forum. So as they got ejected or dejected and left one at a time, they kind of accumulated in this other group around a guy that I, I cut my relations with because he was teaching prosperity gospel. Michael Brandenburg was teaching prosperity gospel and they all gathered around him like he was going to be their white knight and built this website, and now he's gone, or he's out of the picture, from what I understand. I don't know. I don't care. He's going off to perdition. I, I don't, the hell with them. The hell with all of them. It's always been my philosophy to stand by what I, I believe is true unequivocally without compromise, and if you don't, well, fine, because I'm not looking for a big tent. I'm the small tent type of guy. That that's the straight gate and and fuck that big tent. And and yeah, we could disagree on a lot of things, right? I don't give a fuck if you believe the earth is flat. Don't make a doctrine out of it. Don't try to force it on other people as a doctrine because it doesn't belong in Christianity. It's immaterial to Christianity. To the true practice of true Christianity and a love of God, the shape of the earth don't matter. Now, on a personal note, I think you're nuts if you think the earth is flat. 
But you know what? I'll accept some nuttiness from you. <laughs> and if, if you want to believe certain things about the scripture, I can't prove otherwise. That's fine. That's your prerogative. As long as it doesn't violate the law and the words of the prophets, as long as it doesn't violate the, the fact that Jesus Christ is God, that Christianity is only for our race and it's for all of our race. And, and if you believe those three things, I don't give a fuck what else you believe. I don't care if you believe the earth is shaped like a roll of toilet paper. It don't matter. Those three core principles, that's all that matters. So we have to agree on them. Then everything else really don't matter. I might think you're goofy, but I'm not going to throw you out of the congregation. <laughs> that's crazy. Now, we've had well, some flat earthers remove themselves because they got butt hurt because we won't, we won't agree with them. I think Joe summarizes things perfectly. He says that, you know, everything boils down to feelings or that we should make a main tenet of Christian identity, for example, to believe that the earth is flat. No, we don't. It doesn't say in the Bible if it is or if it isn't. Well, I also say, like, you have to be friends with Christ first so that you can adhere to Christian judgment because they will say things like, oh, Joe's not, or Bill's not about brotherly love. Because he was mean to me. I felt he was mean to me. And it's like, that's not brotherly, brotherly love, though. Brotherly love is in the law of God. It's like you love Christ first, and then you're treating your brothers how you should be treating them. It's not because CFT was whining about us in our point. Oh, those Christogenia guys aren't about brotherly love. And it's like you just banned me and called me an idiot. I never called them an idiot back. They called me an idiot and banned me from their site, right? and said that I'm not about brotherly love. Well, I am about brotherly love. I think we have to be friends with Christ first and adhere to that judgment. The men over there think um, they can talk about angry rage men who are mean to us. And it's like, what's an angry rage man? How can you how can you say these things? Like, that's just your feelings. You're judging. And what they're doing is they're judging men by their own feelings. And I've always asked the question, what sort of judgment can you expect from a feelings-based man because he's going to condemn you. He's going to adhere to his feelings rather than adhering to the um, law of God. And NATO could never do that. NATO never went to the scripture and said, I'm against the, I have something against this man because of this scripture right here. And it says, don't do that. Instead, NATO was like, I don't know. I don't like Bill. I'm, I'm all butt hurt. I'm all bound out of shape. Bill is a bad man and blah, blah, blah. And he'd make up all these accusations that are just based in his own feelings. He couldn't adhere to Christian judgment. And that's how they, that's how you condemn men. You can't expect justice from a man who is feelings-based and he's always caught up in his feelings. There's no justice there. And that's a primary teaching of the Bible is it compels men to adhere to Christian judgment, to not lean to your own feelings but to lean to to love Christ first. So they say we're not about brotherly love, but they have never been just. You see, Joe, everybody thinks you're mean, but not for nothing. What you're a lot more refined than I am. What you call a feelings-based man, and that's good language to use when you don't want to alienate people, but I just call them a bitch. <laughs> so when I say bitch, I'm talking about your feelings-based man, basically. And and NATO 
he he just couldn't connect with me, like I said before, because I'm not a feeling-based man. Your feelings don't matter. My feelings don't matter. The truth is the truth. And if we don't accept it as the truth, then we set ourselves in opposition to God. And that's just tough if you don't like it. It's like, what are the feelings of a man, Bill? The feelings of a man are vanity, but the law of God is forever. So if you're going to elevate your feelings above the law of God, you're an unjust man, and you're not really, you know, I hate to say it because I'm in fear of God myself, but you're not really a pious man either because you've elevated your feelings just well beyond the law of God, and now you're writing articles about how feelings can overcome the law of God. You're writing articles about the feelings of a Moabite the feelings of me being one of the 144,000, and you don't get it. You never separate yourself because, you, I, I guess, self-centered or something. You're all caught up in your feelings, and you can't separate your own, humble yourself as a man and elevate God to the vision and his law in, in your life. He should be the authority in your life, not your own feelings. We need we need Drowdy to do a CI death metal version of feelings. <laughs> yeah, I could do that. Um, <laughs> Putting you on the spot, brother. <laughs> hey, uh, I, I was going to do that Pink Floyd Flat Earth song we were talking about, but yeah, I don't have time hardly. That would be funny as hell, man. <laughs> Maybe you throw the dark side of yeah, the moon the, in there. Yeah. yeah, these uh, sensitive little thin-skinned bitches, the first thing they do is run off and congregate with other thin-skinned, emotional bitches and start their slandering campaign. Uh, time and time again, you can see it. Yeah, I'm, 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 it's part for the course ever since my split with Eli James, even before that. Screwy doing totally natural, Bill, like, and it's all side issues. It's bullshit. It doesn't matter. Like, uh, I've had several side issue debates with my brothers here, and we're still here. We're still brothers. We don't hate each other, you know? Right. Friends with Christ first. That's why we're still here. Well, I was I was going to say, you know, if, if I had said what I said earlier before, I probably made the point that Waltioff had said as far as uh, uh, putting new wine and old wineskins kind of a thing. And if it's not that, that people are dragging in, uh, it's probably a personal thing, and they refuse to accept something over a personal thing, uh, which was my point. But uh, if I may, I just wanted to make one point real quick that I wanted to say earlier on, when you were mentioning your uh, site visit and download statistics, I've heard... Not very often, but more than once, and, you know, I don't want to say anything personal against some of these people I've never even talked to or messaged, like NATO, I guess. I don't know anything about the guy, honestly, but, and I'm not saying he said this, but <clears throat> just mentioning CFT, I've heard this uh, criticism that it is something ego-based when Fink shares his statistics of his downloads and visit sites. And if any of those people hear me right now, I just want to remind them, some of us actually want to know that information because to us, that's a representation of the truth and the message spreading. And that's what we want first and foremost. 
So I, I don't really appreciate that criticism, but I just wanted to take the time to say that. Yeah, that's right, Eric. And I just say, like, that's an example of um, subjective judgment because it's just like they're saying, oh, it must be ego. It's like, well, prove it. Oh, you can't prove it, so it's just your opinion then. Oh, well, opinions shouldn't divide people, then shouldn't. You're entitled to your opinion, but it's just an opinion, and who really cares because it's just an opinion. And it's like all they're doing is writing thousand, ten thousand word articles on my opinions and my feelings. They may as well just title it my feelings and make it a diary, like a woman's diary, like oh, CFT, my diary for today. Today, Bill hurt my feelings and now I'm writing an article about it. That's all it is. It's just their feelings. That's the whole site, feelings. Oh, I'll look at it whenever Bill shows the or shares with us how many had for a particular podcast or how many months of the year or whatever that that's just encouraging because it it helps show the listeners uh, and those of us that, that all tune in and that there's a lot of others that feel the same way as we do I don't take it as a brag it's just a, a hey there's a lot of people tuning in. Yeah, you know, if my numbers, I, I talk about my numbers at the end of the year, generally, only at the end of the year, maybe once or twice. I probably won't mention it again till next end of the year. Well, well, if my numbers were down, I would be happy to say that they were down. If my podcasts were down, and to be honest, the first eight months of this year, I had about 200,000 less downloads than the first eight months of last year. But at the end of the year, somehow it took off, and I ended up with like 400,000 downloads more than last year. So that's the way it works, right? It's up and down and up and down. The, the, the site traffic, the downloads, I'll say that the ranking, the website ranking companies, Alexa and SimilarWeb, are blatantly lying about my traffic. But about two years ago, the ADL had complained that we were ranked so high. Not just my site, but a few other white nationalist sites. They complained that we were ranked so high on SimilarWeb. So what did they do? Did they rewrite their algorithm to drop me from 150,000 to 750,000? Because my traffic went up, my traffic actually like doubled since then. So yeah, I would say that they probably found some way to rewrite their algorithm. Just like Google, if you search Christian identity on Google, I'm on like page fucking 20. But if you search it on Dogpile, I'm on the top of the first page. And only Wikipedia is ahead of me, maybe. And some paid ads. Or on DuckDuckGo, I'm on the top of the first page. Why aren't I on the first page of Google? Because there's something they're doing to keep me from that. And my Google search traffic is practically zero. I get a couple of thousand visits from Google. They tell me. Google tells me how many visits I get from search traffic. And it's not shit. It's not one quarter of one percent of my traffic how is that because google's lying they must be lying these jews we can't trust these bastards to tell us the truth but aside from all that 
I don't brag about my traffic because the numbers are high. I would be happy to report my numbers at the end of each year if they were low, because the truth is the truth. If I got less downloads than last year, I wouldn't be ashamed of that. I can only plant or water and Yahweh makes the grow. I can't make the grow. I understand that. So NATO's just once again being a bitch. And and I didn't want to make this pick on Nathan Tom Knight, but yeah, he is kind of representative of all those in CI that hate it, that that hate Chris Genier and hate me and and even hate y'all. So I mean, the truth is the truth. I pray nobody's here because of my personality, because I know more than anybody that my personality sucks. I'm a caustic son of a bitch, but that's just the way life is. That's what I've been through in life. I tell people the truth. I endeavor to tell people the truth, and I, I believe that I'm studied enough that I have a semblance of the truth, because no man has the whole truth. So how... What kind of sense do we make of the world today if, if if you value what I teach about the scripture? Then fine. That's why you're here. I know you're not here because I'm a nice guy. Don't tell me that. I know that's not true. You're just telling a fib. <laughs> and and if oh, NATO wow. and Michael Brandenburg and Drew don't get that and Matthew Watt, that punk, the hell with them. And that's another uh, important reason to have these open forums is to let people know that there is a community, Christogenia community. We're not just a bunch of avatars and names. We're real people, real faces, real lives, real families. Right. Um, and it's a world that. If you want emotional support, maybe join some sort of emotional support group where you can cry on another man's shoulder, but I'm not here for emotional support. I don't I don't really need that from y'all. <laughs> you know, I'm a man. I don't need emotional support. I can handle my own emotions, thanks. You know, if you need emotional support, go and join CFT because they will kiss your butt. They will make you feel good. They'll tell you you're the greatest ever. Oh, brother, that was the best thing I've ever heard. And every comment's like, oh, yes, that was the best article ever. So truthful. Praise God for another, like, the words are coming straight from God. Praise God for another article from CFT. You know, that's what they're like. But, you know, I'm always looking to trip Bill up, and Bill knows that. You know, we, we aren't friends. And I'm always out to get Bill. Sure. <laughs> I'm friends with Christ first. You have to be. Yeah. I I gotta right. make a mistake. Yeah. I make mistakes. People in the forum have pointed out my mistakes, had pointed out where I fucked up, and I do my best to fix it. So that's what I have to do because that's what humility is. That that's I I appreciate. Yeah, you know what? When somebody could, I, I used to joke about this with Clifton all the time, right? I don't have a proofreader. And I know I make mistakes, and I never had a proofreader, but I just pray that I catch my mistakes before anybody else did. And and Clifton used to laugh at that, right? So if somebody else says, Fink, you fucked up over here and you got to fix this, I'll be the first one that's happy to fix it. I'm not going to defend a mistake. That's crazy. 
that that's not the right attitude that that's not being honest with yourself and don't think you you have to go through life understanding that you have a creator who knows that you fucked up so if you can't admit that you fucked up then you're really making a mistake that's the real mistake so if i screw up i'm happy that people find it for me and help me correct it i have to be because i want it to be right we have to be right well, I'm never going to be mad at you if you catch me making a mistake. I'm going to be happy for you. I'm going to say thanks, Joe. Wow, I appreciate that. <laughs> or anybody else out here. That's what these clowns don't understand. And that's what a friend would do. Like if you got a booger hanging out of your nose, a friend would say, hey, nasty bastard. Clean that shit up. They're, they're, they're not going to let you walk around looking like an asshole. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, I tell people when they got soot in their teeth and whatnot. Well, I just wanted to say I, I appreciate that Fink provides the platforms for socializing and to, uh, to build community. Um, that is, especially in today's world where it's, it's hard to have those avenues with like-minded people. But what I don't appreciate is people treating Chris Agenia as a social alone like it's not just I don't know I mean I, I would never put I would never impose like some sort of you know gotta take a test or anything like that but uh, I think it's pretty apparent to people that didn't have the understanding and treated certain uh, platforms as just a social outlet are probably where they are now yeah I don't I don't even think NATO ever got into any of my material or my podcast. I'm being honest. I'd be shocked if he did. Beyond the forum itself. Well, that's what I mean. Man, I think I'm going to say goodnight. I'm going to cut a little bit short. It's, it's late already, and I want to cut off here. So I've enjoyed it. I would bless all of y'all. Uh, have a good evening. Good night, James. Thanks for being here, brother. And and maybe someday you bring the old man along. Good night, James. Take care, Yahweh bless. Y'all bless. Yeah, tell John I've seen him on there. Yeah, you know that kid who was trading. Hey, there he is. How you doing, John? Good to see you. God bless. How's the sheep doing? That way, bless. I'm on a, uh, <laughs> I've really enjoyed it. I appreciate it. Thank you for having a, an outlet for us to get together and and not only on the open forum, but the rockets chat and then all the other places that we can congregate. It's a blessing to have all that. Thank you for doing it and putting up with us and, and taking your time to, to do all that. So, well, you know, God gave me the skills, so if I don't use them, that, then I'm the clown that hit his talent in the ground, right? I'm not trying to be that guy. <laughs> well, bless you for it. <laughs> Good night. Take care, James.
Dasho, I know you got more to say, man. I mean, I, 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 I can make stuff up if you want. No, I'm just trying to give you an opportunity. <laughs> That's all. You've been I, patient. I appreciate it. I, you wrote that article on Australia, Dasho. Uh, did you like that one? Yeah. Well, you know what? Australia, Australia is a very good example that. for the point you were trying to make. It is. Well, thank it you. was a good point. So you could, you know, like explain your point briefly <laughs> for this open forum. Um, for just for the sake of the of the recording for the for the for the for the uh, for the listeners, uh, I I wrote an, an essay explaining the the parable of the fruits with the uh with the idea that good trees don't bear bad fruit and that bad trees don't bear good fruit and i i brought up in the essay that modern nationalists and secularists they they have uh, some acceptance of the idea that or most of them do they have some acceptance of the idea that good fruit doesn't come from bad trees you you can't to quote to i believe the direct quote would be you you do not men do not find grapes and figs from thistles and and thorns right which is of course we're we're talking about men we're talking about tribes right is the idea this isn't this isn't about plants trees are a metaphor and they always have been we still use the the idea of the family tree even to this day um and and people tend to have an understanding of that the idea that there's there's no good jew right that sort of idea but the thing that people really struggle with that they can't accept is the idea that good trees don't bear bad fruits and and that that idea of well there may not be any such thing as a good jew but strictly speaking there's no such thing as a bad white man either like that's that's not the reverse is also true and that's that's something that a lot of people struggle with because that's that's enlightenment values right the idea that you judge everyone as an individual the idea that you that you have a blank slate the person's a blank slate and the only real difference between an englishman and a turk is that the englishman was raised in england and the turk was born and raised in turkey right if you could swap then they would be identical to each other again right right it's egalitarianism yeah um, and it's just—it's not just in the parable um, that you were speaking of of the um, the trees, the good tree and the bad tree, isn't it? One John chapter three, where John says that a man cannot sin if his seed remaineth in him, and seed is obviously yep. a genetic construct. So that that supports your whole argument too, uh, Dasho, and a lot of people don't get that. Think seed is spiritual, but go on. But um, and I I used Australia as an example. Right. I used Australia as an example of this to prove that that Yahshua Christ is correct. Right. Um, Australia's was a penal colony. Right. It's a prison and it was populated. It was all the people that Britain didn't want to deal with. Arsonists, bandits, highwaymen, pirates, anarchists, the criminally insane. They, they didn't want to deal with it. So they just packed them off on a ship and set them off to the far edge of the world and forgot about them. So there's no, you know, there's no culture of success in Australia. There's no civil behavior, right? You can't, you can't say that they had economic factors in their favor, right? And that they were still successful. 
according to every modern economic model, every model for success and failure that we have in the modern day, Australia should be one of the worst countries in the world, right? It should be a third world country. It should be a hellhole. It should be overflowing with poverty and violence. It should be identical to the very worst nations in Southeast Asia and Africa. And instead, it's a first world country with a first world economy and a first world culture and a first world military. It has one. Of, it had it had one of the highest standards of living on an international level before all the COVID stuff started happening. The the worst people from a society were put in the worst place and given nothing, and yet in three generations they become a world power. Modern society, modern philosophy can't explain that, but but Christ's ministry does. The Bible does explain that. If you have a rotten apple and you throw it over the fence. In 15 years, you'll have an apple tree on the other side of that fence. Rotten apples still grow apple trees, right? And that's that's the truth of Christ's ministry, and that's that's the truth of that also that Paul was trying to teach as well, when when all of the apostles were sent out to administer to the Israelites that had that had forgotten the diaspora Israelites. So it, I, I wrote I wrote a little essay about that, and and I, I used Australia as a as an example because it is not explainable. The, the, the normies, right, the, the people who accept the ideas of our society, who accept French revolutionary enlightenment values, they can't, they can't explain Australia. They can, they can explain non-white third world countries because they'll claim it's our fault, right? They'll say, oh, it's exploitation, right? Or it's colonialism. Fundamentally, it's your fault that they're losers, right? That's what they'll say. But they can't explain Australia's success. But neither can the people who are allegedly on our side who accept the idea that, you know, the third world is, is a shithole because of third worlders. But they can't accept, they still haven't been able to get, get over the idea that there's no such thing as a bad white man. They can't accept that good trees don't bear bad fruit. And, and I think the secularists will continue to lose and they will continue to be humiliated until they submit to God and accept that reality. Well, well, that's the essence of brotherly love, loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Also, like covenant theology. And it always amazes me that all Christ's parables were like agricultural parables and people still don't get that it's like genetics. Like what's what's at the root of agriculture? Genetics, genetics. You know, this sheep, this these strains of wheat, different strains of wheat and the tares, it's all agricultural and still no one seems to realise that it's all about genetics. And Mr. What, sheep, um, were you a goat today? Genetics. I'm sorry. <laughs> and it's so simple and Dasho, Dasho's article highlights that it, it goes to the root of covenant theology well, well right because what it is is it's the creation of God you're either part of the creation or part of the corruption we've all said it before and in many different ways it, it's trying to find that way that's going to resonate with normies or plain white nationalists or, or whatever, it, it's trial and error. It really Did is trial and error. The, yeah. Did you check the rocket chat, Bill? Because that points you to check the rocket chat. Yeah, I did. Thanks, know. Joe. I did. Okay. Thanks. He's going. He has to go. He has to work. He's got to go. That's okay. The, the um...
how do I say this? You know, I've, I've always thought, and people have always asked me, what's the best way to approach a normie? What's the best way to approach a Judeo-Christian? And I always have to answer that I don't know, that it's not a one-size-fits-all solution. And I've had probably more failures myself then I've had successes, successes in one-on-one situations. So it, it's like this. I, I've had probably, uh, wow, NATO's going to think I'm bragging. Uh, I've had probably a thousand people email me over the years, maybe 2,000 email me over the years and thank me for, and you see all the welcome posts in the forum, and thank me for being their awakening, and they learn this and that, and, and whatever. It, it doesn't matter, whatever. I'm not even taking credit for that. It just happens. But with every person, it's something different that got them to think about it, or something different than flick that switch that led to their coming to CI or coming into an awakening. So there's no one-size-fits-all situation. So Dasho's paper is good, and and it might help one of them or some of them if, if he keeps on that track and keeps hammering at it. And, and that's fine, but wow. It, it's, you never know what's going to resonate resonate with a particular person isn't blindness a punishment from god though bill so if someone's blind to the truth that's actually a punishment and i I was thinking about it today all these people are saying oh people have to wake up our people have to wake up and it's like well they're not going to wake up until god's decided to stop punishing them with blindness because sometimes god even blinds people to bring punishment upon them Well, that's absolutely true. Can't be refuted. Right. It's in the scripture. Right. There, I think there's an aspect to that, though, too. I couldn't prove it. It's just a thought. But even amongst those deaf and blind, uh, there is still an aspect of those that seek God and seek the truth. And I think those are the ones that end up having their uh, eyes and ears opened. I don't know. It just seems like a reoccurring theme throughout Scripture that we have to make the step back to God first. Well, I mean that's scriptural too, isn't it? The I mean it's it's Christ. Christ teaches a lot of revolutionary things that people just just ignore. Not not just the idea that there's no such thing as a as a good tree that bears bad fruits, but he explicitly states and he, he states this very clearly. If you ask for something, you'll receive it, right? If you knock, the door will be opened, right? And he even he even explains this as part of his as part of his parable that that uh you know even a wicked man, even a, a cruel man or a tyrant would uh, would would if his son asked him for a cup of water, they would give him a cup of water, right? Or if uh, if his son was hungry would a would a would a cruel man not give his son a fish right so imagine what you would receive from a father who loves you from from a great and benevolent father who who wants what's best for you so we're told to ask we're told to seek guidance to 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 treat our father like he's our father so it's i mean i i think you're supposed to ask 
that's part of Christ's ministry. And it's, it's, it's a part of Christianity. You don't see it in any other religion. You don't see it in any paganism is, is this, this idea of an explicitly benevolent figure, the idea that God will help you if you ask. That that's actually a good point, Dasha, because you don't actually see um, a lot of the points you made in that essay in the worldly religions and in paganism, because like we saw at the Daily Storm, where they were saying God has to be universal. You know, why is that a bad thing? Universal God, whatever. And our religion is the only one that's not a world religion. It's not part of the world cult. We believe that God created our people alone and is the God of our people alone not universalist so every every other religion i can think of is universalist everyone can come but it's universal but our religion stands against that world cult it's it's revolutionary in this world because we live in a world where all our values are considered universal and then god their god is considered the creator of all people and the the maker of all these universal values and then you you pointed out that even in paganism with white nationalists out the daily stormer they believe god is universal and we stand in contra against the world we're the only ones who do against that world cult and it is a cult it's a world cult because everyone's invited got they won't they won't ethnic ethno nationalism today but they want heaven to be universal we won't heaven we don't you know we've seen what niggers have done on earth we don't want them in heaven. They're not going to be in heaven. You know, we, we've learned the lesson the first time around. We don't, they're not going <laughs> to, we've learned the lesson, okay? They still haven't. And we're not part of that world religion. Right. You can, you could have weeds in a garden and still have a successful garden, but do, do you really want to? Why have the weeds if you don't have to? Another thing that I've been thinking about is this, um, I don't know how to say exactly, but this thing to judge the character of uh, the person by their character, I think it's inherently a French Revolution value. But you see how this swept away uh, everyone's minds. Like, for example, oh, don't judge or not all X are like that. I wonder why this captivated everyone's minds. But at the same time, they seem to have trouble. For example, all, all whites are bad. Sorry, Bill. It's all liberalism. Nah, you don't have to apologize. I just thought you were done. All whites, that this, I should say, these concepts of liberalism, which came from Enlightenment philosophy, are so imbued into our culture and ground into the minds of children from their first years in school to an extent that everybody just takes it for granted that they're true. Whether they are Democrats or Republicans, liberals or conservatives, they take it for granted that the Enlightenment philosophy is true. I think that's one thing that Dasho has tried to bring out in some of his posts. They just take that for granted. And that that's what I tried to say also in, in my last podcast, that in the end, either you're a Nazi or a Jew, that these so-called conservatives have taken it for granted that the Enlightenment values are true, and they're not. And, and that's why they will never really be able to conserve anything. They will never be conservatives as long as they believe those Enlightenment values even though they claim to be conservatives. They're not conserving anything 
because they've accepted the Enlightenment values. The Enlightenment values came right from the Jews. The Masonic lodges of medieval France. You know, even in nature, we see the values of our religion because animals are racist, babies are racist. And rather than looking to nature and saying, where can we find this truth? Where is the God that made this truth, which is in our Bible, in our religion? They say, oh, these babies are racist. It's a problem. We've got to, you know, train these babies not to be racist. We've got to make sure the polar bears aren't racist against the brain. You know, they never look to nature because his laws are all around us. His laws dictate the reality we actually live in. These liberal values, they're alien to the natural world that we see all around us. And I think it's incredible sometimes that these people could be so oblivious to these things that we see in nature and they claim that it's all about nature and conser conserving nature and they're hippies and environmentalists and progressives and they never actually open their eyes and look at nature and look, these birds, they all mate with their own kind, that kind after kind, where's that found? It's found in our religion. These bears, they're territorial. They protect their own territory. If another bear group comes along, they kill them, right? The, um, the other point I mentioned, like babies are racist. How are babies born racist? It's because it's something inherent within babies, that they're born this way. It's, it's the nature of our creation. And it should, it should dawn on these liberals, oh, wait, I'm living in some sort of weird cult. Don't call Joe. us a cult, you know. Joe, they constantly legislate against the law of natural selection. They claim to believe in evolution, which is built around the law of natural selection. At the same time, they make all kinds of laws trying to prevent natural selection. You have to wear a seatbelt. You can't drink alcohol until a certain age. You, you have to do this. You have to do that. You have to take all these safety precautions so that you don't get hurt. What are they doing? They're legislating trying to prevent natural selection. And we see these hierarchies in nature. In nature, the weak don't survive. In nature, we have the natural hierarchies. We have the lion who's at the top of the hierarchy and there's the alpha line and he's got all these, his female lines. You know, we see these things in nature and yet then we get to human societies and we're supposed to elevate the, the low IQ Negroes. We're supposed to elevate the worst of our kind to positions of power <clears throat> and they rule over us. And then our society is out of order. It's not, it's not in line with God's creation at all. So how long can it last? And that, that is another one. That's communism. Communism elevates the weak over the strong. And it's it's unnatural. And it, it comes from the unnatural bastards because they weren't created in, an, in the natural processes of God. They were created outside of God. And they're the ones who advocate this kind of society, which is unnatural. Well, that's why liberals... You were saying, Bill. That's why liberals or anybody that thinks with that Jewish mind those ideals of enlightenment philosophy reflected in the French Revolution that's why they're all hypocrites they're all hypocrites they're always hypocrites because they don't believe their own bullshit yeah definitely definitely hypocrites 
But you know, the funny thing is, it's uh, it's just as you said, you know, enlightenment values. Because here's the thing, you know, uh, even if you take up, you know, the grassroots person, you know, the typical normie, I don't like using this word here. I think it's very callous to do that. But, you know, let's take up, for example, the, 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 well, the well-intentioned person, right? Someone who's willing to, you know, accept, uh, accept things or, for example, take the Bible, even if it's the Judeo Bible, but is against the world in general. Even this kind of person still accepts the, you know, the premises of, the, of liberalism in general. For example, the type of person that says, oh, you must unite together, one struggle against the globalists or sometimes against the Jews, sometimes some of them say. But, you know, even still, they, they, they base themselves out of a strange premise. Yeah, they fall for a lot of the Jewish tricks in their fight against the Jews. Like, I'm against the Jews. We all need, yeah, like you're saying, we all have to unite together with the other races against the Jews. And so, what? What do you, you know, they've still got their universal God, you know, that's God of all people. And they, they accept that there may be good Jews or they um, promote evolution, evolutionary theory while they're fighting against the Jews. And evolutionary theory is one kind into many kinds, whereas we believe kind after kind. And evolutionary theory is a bit of a joke now. It's, <laughs> you know, I don't, I don't want to go into all of that, but I can't believe it when white nationalists go in, you know, they support evolutionary theory. Because what's the point in nationalism then? Because you will evolve, race is transient. Under, under evolutionary theory, race is transient. So why even preserve your race? It'll just evolve into something else eventually anyways. Why worry about it? You may as well just go and be a whore and get high on drugs because that's all you guys ever do, all these white nationalists do anyways, like Andre Anglin, the, the you know, what, he's talking about LSD and Asian prostitutes and all this other crap. He may as well just go off and do that because he promotes well, evolutionary theory at the same time. That was uh, the same argument. That was the same argument I used in prison against the creators all the time that said that we created ourselves through evolution. And I'd say, well, then what's wrong with going and fucking niggers? Go fuck niggers because you're only going to re-evolve into something better. So what does it matter? It doesn't matter. You know, um, this is starting to remind me of, do you know, these... How, how, how I like to say, O-H-R-A, you know, one race, the human race. I don't know how these people can take this seriously, really. It's basic biology. Even if you take, for example, 20 years ago, there was the idea of other races. Even if you didn't say, for example, oh, Congoid or Mongoloid, even, if you, even back then people understood that. So how can these people be hacks and say one race, the human race? It's, incre it's the world religion and it's incredible to me that people can think, oh, I'm a new age, I'm smart. I'm not like those dumb Bible people. And it's like, well, which book actually adheres to the natural world, kind after kind, and all these sorts of um, truths that we find in nature? It's the Bible. It's not new ageism, because new ageism teaches ever, we're all evolving and we're going to, the cosmic consciousness and all this other bullshit. And that's what white nationalists have taken on for themselves is that new ageism they've taken on that world cult we reject that world cult and we're think of another group that does that but our bible is true it's the real thing their joke universal 
garbage is is a false religion the religion of the serpent that came up and deceived eve that's what they follow that's what all these people follow that's where it started to these humans as god humanism started with eve being seduced by the serpent in the garden of genesis so they're actually satanists then and i've, I've called andre Anglin a satanist and an antichrist because he opposes christ's mission to redeem israel well, that's oh absolutely that, that's that last gap that they can't cross because white nationalists can't rectify race with god they try to keep god separate from nature the examples in nature gave us oh wow yeah eric 100 percent true Rest and you know, God, I know, you know something worse with God. And where the God race, you know, <laughs> Christagedia, the Christ race, they, they well, failed to do that. Where's Bill oh, yeah. got right in his, in his website title, Christ race. Well, once you realize that these other races aren't natural, you don't have to include them in nature because they weren't created by God. It's a revolutionary position, and that's what you know. That's what Dasho's position was in that article. It is. It's revolutionary because the whole world, you know, goes along with it. Like I said, yeah. And you want to know what is worse? You know, for people that uh, like uh, like most of you who are living in the United States, Canada, and see these movements as clownish as they may be, I'm I'm gonna be honest with most of you. I'm from Brazil. Yes, there are Adamites in Brazil. It may seem like a surprise to most of them. But believe me, the, uh, the nationalist movements in Brazil are just as worse. Because for most part, top of the top that you may get is a fascist movement. But even then, it's a colorblind. Because back some years ago, sorry, I was doing some exercises. Um, back some years ago, there was this guy. He was, he was a terror, right? He was a complete mulatto called Enes Carneiro, and he was a, a flagship of a, of a nationalist party, and he wanted to, you know, change Brazil to be a first world, but he failed. And people don't realize Brazil is never going to be because it's a terror nation. The amount of mulattoes, mestizos around here, it's incredible. I would rager there's less than 20% pure white still remaining here. And it's even worse. The, the nationalist movements here are, are a joke. So even for me, for seeing, you know, even if Anglin is, you know, sh uh, terrible or, for example, other movements like Nick Fuentes' movement is, is terrible, to me, it's like, you know, it's, it doesn't get as worse as here. So it's a sad either way. Yeah, it's like, you know, if you agree with Nick Fuentes, it's like he gets a place at the table now. He gets to marry a daughter. You know, he was, a, he was one of the good ones. So we'll let him stay and he can marry your daughter. Not my daughter. He can marry Andre England's daughter. Something like that. He gets a place at the table now because he was, you know, pro-white. You know, get out. That's, that's, the white nationalists have no solution to the problems we're in. So that's why they make these compromises. Our solution we realize the situation wherein we see prophecy, we see the law of our God, we believe in our God. They don't believe in anything. So they make all these crazy compromises to um 
to make it work for them because white nas- secular white nationalism is just a big joke for midwits like Anglin. He's a bit of a midwit. Um, for example, that one of their solutions would be to genetically test everyone in the country, determine who's a tear and who's not, and get rid of all the tears. Like that's impossible. It's impossible for a number of reasons, but it is impossible. And so they're never going to have their white nation. We will have our white nation, though. We will have our white nation in Christ when his kingdom comes. We believe that. Oh, absolutely. It's just the same to see these secular types trying to, you know, uh, grasp at straws to save something. Well, they should be challenged to pray. Some of them are cowards, though. They just slander you and call you mean man. You're a bad man. You're mean, blah, blah, blah. And I'm not even going to address you and I'm going to ban you from my forums. <laughs> or, that is exactly what England does. He's never going to address Bill. He's never going to man up and say, this is why Bill's wrong. He's just going to say, Bill's a bad man. He's an angry man. He's a rage man. And slander him. Oh, and by the way, I do think Christ was probably white. I do agree with him. But at the same time, he's just too aggressive. That's Anglin's position. Wow. You know, Anglin had the chance to talk to me in 20... (sighs) I think it was 2013. It was before he started the Daily Stormer. When Mike Delaney cut off Zion Crime Factory. Because Zion Crime Factory, who claimed to be a white and a white nationalist, ended up being a spick. And Mike Delaney cut him off and shut down his website that he hosted for him, the original ZionCrimeFactory.com. So, so there was a big, Mike Delaney had his own team speak back in those days. And there was a big fallout with a whole bunch of other white nationalists that Mike was friends with or knew well. And Mike asked me to come to his team speak to address that group and speak to them about Zion Crime Factory, which I did. And Andrew Anglin was one of them. And I was trying to speak about the dangers of letting non-whites into a white nationalist group and, and make them pretend to be white, no matter how good their material was that they wrote about Jews. And Zion Crime Factory, he, I forget his real name, it's some spick name. Well, well, his material wasn't really that good because all he did was compile older writings about Jews from Henry Ford to, to all through the 50s and 60s, all the way up to the, um, the, the telling on themselves Jews of the, the 80s and 90s. So anyway, Myron Fagan and people like that, he would compile all that stuff together and make it look like he wrote it, but he never really wrote any of it. So anyway, I went on Mike's team speak and I started addressing people and Andrew Anglin shot his mouth off a couple of times thinking he was going to trip me up, asking me questions. And I slapped him around and shot him down both two, three times. And he just shut up. He shut up the rest of the night. And I got to speak my word, and I rolled on. So that's the only time I ever spoke to Andrew Anglin. And he turned out to be a punk. He's nothing but a punk. That's all he is. So he wow. started the Daily Stormer with Brett Light, 
and Sven Longshanks with CI Riders. That's how he got popular at the Daily Stormer, with CI Riders. And once he got to a certain point of popularity, he cut them all loose and rolled with his bullshit. Hey, you remember back in the day, Bill, Anglin did like a survey saying, what is the religion of all my readers? And we've st- I don't, I've still got it saved somewhere, but CI was the yeah. most popular religion of his readers. Yeah, but then he betrayed them all. And yeah, he... Betrayed, he so- well, he's a mud shark. He, he's an oil driller, and and he's probably mixed himself. On his early internet pages, he was bragging that he was part Red Indian, and, and I really think he's posted. mixed himself. Yeah, well, you still got that posted somewhere on your website on the media site deal where he says all that. Yeah, I think I recently took it off the front page, but yeah, he says it himself. Wow. Why and you want to know what the front page bill did he contact you or something or you just don't want it there anymore no i just thought it was old yeah it is yeah but anyways today he agrees with us oh yeah i agree jesus was probably what probably white. what we're going to worship an arab now that's yeah. what our ancestors would have done yeah get lost probably white, but they're mean and it's like well forget about the mean part actually you know that's england he's an idiot well, the truth is, and somebody else wrote it in the forum today or yesterday, that Anglin really doesn't believe anything. He just rolls with whatever he thinks is going to gain him some ground or make him some traction at any particular time, and he rolls with it. You know what else? It's a sad thing, Bill. It's, if you know, if you consider the Catholics in general, and I don't know if this is a particular thing of some countries, but some of them seem to have this, you know, quote-unquote supremacy over mongoloids in general for example oh we're going to be like identity for example we're gonna do a mishmash of a bunch of terrors together that we're gonna never whatever poor preposterous you know they're trying to come up you know as superior or something i can't understand these people I just put a link in the chat. I'm, I don't know if y'all are experiencing it, but I've been experiencing a lag in the chat where I hit the enter key and it takes 20 to 30 seconds for my chat to go through. I'm talking about the chat here on the video server. There's a lot of other people here that are here that I'd love to hear from tonight. Noble. Yeah, there is a lag. No bull. Aussie Adamite, noble culture critic, if you can. Tied is. <laughs> Not calling anybody out. We heard a little from Eric. Hans, what about you? I invited yeah. uh, Brian Grossman on here earlier, but I guess he didn't stick around. Well, you know, he's only going to try to foist this flat earth bullshit on me. I know it. And he's going to get slapped hard. I'm telling you. <laughs> oh, wow. I didn't even realize Aussie Edomai was here. Hey, man. They're shy. They're all shy. I'm sorry. I'm not trying to put anybody on a spot that may not want to talk, but 
I just want to give you guys an opportunity to talk if you want one. Maybe they already fell asleep. Uh, no, I'm here. I'm just, uh, <laughs> I'm just sort of relaxing. Um, I wanted to say something earlier, though, um, when we brought up uh, CFT and um, criticizing Bill for sharing his traffic. And I think that says a lot about them more than anything, because it shows that predominantly they're looking at this as a competition. They're not looking at, at it as teamwork, like working together to build the kingdom of Yahweh, right? Working together as equal servants of Christ. You know, they don't look at it that way. It's just, they look at their ego. They don't look at their brethren and edifying their brethren and helping their community. Because when you love your brethren, you share the truth with them. So when we see Christogenia doing well, it's a victory for all of us. It's not like, oh, wow, look, look at Bill bragging about his victory like no it's a victory for our race our people and i think it says a lot about their own philosophy they're really condemning themselves if they think bill is bragging well well you don't know noble. yeah you don't know well i'm glad you said that and i appreciate it i'm gonna say something that not a lot of people know i i mean i, I would think everybody knows if no that's not true I actually created the websites for Mark Downey, KinsmanRedeemer.com, and I host it for free ever since the day I created it in 2011. And also the Fellowship of God's Covenant People for Don Elmore. And also SacredTruthMinistries.com for Robert Balakias and also, his other website, ancientheritagefoundation.com. I created that website. I host it. I never charged him a dime. I'm not bragging. It's just part of what I do. And I also host 9-11 Missing Links, Expel the Parasite, Truthvids.com. Um, and I created, I didn't create Expel the Parasite or 9-11 Missing Links. I can't take credit for that. NSUropa.org DerSturmer.org DerFriora.org And probably about a dozen other insignificant websites that are all either Christian Identity or White Nationalist. I created them. I host them. They wouldn't exist on the internet if I wasn't here. That's the sad truth. But I make sure they stay running. I make sure they stay up when they've been thrown out of other providers or when they didn't have websites at all, like in the case of Robert Balakias or Don Elmore. And I do that without taking any credit for it and hoping that they get web traffic because I want the CI message to grow. That's what's important to me. Not me. I'm not important to me. The message is important to me, period. So I guess I'm bragging about that, too. I guess I'm just bragging about that, but I'm really not bragging at all. I'm just stating facts. I host 25, 30 websites that aren't Christogenia websites. That have nothing to do with Christogenia. 
and not only were you helping spread the message when you put up those websites, but you were also loving your brothers because you weren't charging them anything. You were doing that out of the good of your heart as well. And that says a lot about you. So, well, right. I, I mean, yeah. I didn't have to do that back in 2011. I did that 2012. I didn't have to do that. Nobody was supposed to my own to do that. Yeah, exactly. So I just wanted to bring that up. That they were really just condemning themselves. Yeah. Well, yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. Gave me a chance to say that. I'm not selfish at all. I'm, I'm selfless. That's what we're taught to be. That's what we're told by Christ to be. We're all spending eternity together. Yeah, so you better get used to it. Well, well that's a good I'll do it as long as I can. And and that's what we're supposed to do. Well, that's a good example as any to remind everybody, you know, I mean, it's, it's tough times, dark days. You know, it's easy to get down on a lot of things. But if, if you can't find a way to live for yourself, find a way to live for your brethren. Because that's what matters most. Well, all, all I'll say is that I, what I've always understood is that all my detractors really don't understand me or they're just friggin' trolls in the first place. So I don't know what Nathan Tum is or what Michael Brandenburg thought he was going to be. He, he was looking for houses on the beach in Destin from being a CI pastor, so-called pastor, that produced a 30-minute sermon once a week. And he wanted a house on the beach in Destin, I swear. <sighs> wow. The clowns I've been beset with. I don't know yep, what more to say about all, it. They're all filtered out in the end. They all turn into pagans or whatever. <laughs> whatever their fate ends up being, right? Yeah, it's incredible. I, I don't know what Brandenburg is, but I'm sure he's probably going to some Baptist church with his family and they're probably all wearing Birkenstocks, I'm sure. I don't know if you know the inside joke. That's an inside joke. Kind of. Nope, it went right over my head, but that's okay. <laughs> when Michael Brandenburg and his family came down to, to visit Clifton Emmerheiser when we first moved into my house, the whole family showed up in in really expensive, nice clothes, and they were all wearing Birkenstocks. I don't know if you know what Birkenstocks are, but they're like these $200 a pair German sandals that I would be caught dead in. Yeah, that's that, a big like, thing oh, with the hippies. Yeah, yeah. faggot yuppie we'll footwear. Their... Yeah, <laughs> they're ugly. Oh. All the crustafer trustafarians. <laughs> crustafarians. It's faggot yuppie hip footwear. And they were all wearing the whole family. They had like a thousand dollars worth of sandals on their feet, I swear. Damn. Weird hairy yeah, well, ass. This struggle, uh, Bill. Lesbians seem to like Birkenstocks lock too. <laughs> yeah, right. I believe it. Well, I really haven't drank that much, but I have to go visit the boys' room again. So y'all got to keep this going, and I'll be back in a minute. Thank you.
Hey, Noble, you know what you really made me remember? Uh, the some identity guy. You know, uh, I think I've spoken this with Joe in English vids. The Matthew Raphael Johnson, that he appealed to authority. I, I thought he was saying that failed to Joe. He could have said, you know, some identity guy. And he doesn't have the, the same level that I have. I don't know who that was corrected to. I think it, it was to you, Joe. Why would it be me? I don't. I don't have anything to do with Matthew. I don't Raphael know. Johnson. I think he posted a comment somewhere, and oh, I think it got to oh, him. That's right. Okay. Yeah, because I found one podcast by him where he promotes interracial fornication. Matthew Raphael Johnson agrees with race mixing and I found that and I broke it all down and I'm like this is a big joke he's like pretending to be a priest this guy and yet here he is saying and he thinks he's like got some sort of authority to marry people whereas we know that no priest actually has that authority that God marries people not a priest and Matthew Raphael Johnson was saying oh I would marry a chink to a white man you know, I, I, you know, like he, as if he's got the authority to overrule God and marry different races, and he he knows what he's talking about. Yeah, I remember that now. It's and, uh, it's just incredible wow. how he thinks of his authority authority to marry people. Like if even if you thought you had some sort of commission from God, you would want to make sure you're fulfilling the law of God in that commission. But in his commission that he supposed he had from God. He was breaking the law of God by marrying different races of people. <laughs> so, Doctor Matthew Matthew Raphael Johnson, you know, it's like he's never even read the Bible, and he's like claiming it. he is an expert on some things, as Dasho says. But like Dasho was even saying in that thread, he's definitely not an expert on Bible law. And so it's amazing how he would say something like that to all oh, those CI guys when they get to their level, then they can debate me. And it's like, mate, <laughs> you got to get it right. You know, what are, what are you even talking about? Like, you can't even answer a question because you're just that far up yourself. You're just that far. You're just that out. You know, I, I don't know the words for Americans and that. Like, you're just that um, full of yourself, arrogant. That you're not going to entertain questions about Bible law. Well, I think a good example might be uh, from Fink's podcast of interpreting or methods of interpreting Scripture Part Two is that V.S. Harrells or whatever his name is. Wow. Who was kind of a uh, I don't know if he ever considered himself to be an expert, but you know he supposedly you know, proposed to have the message, have the truth, but he hid himself behind a paywall yep. instead of giving it away freely. <laughs> you know, like Harold Harold didn't only consider himself alone to have the truth. He considered himself to be the preacher of Yahweh for this time. Yes he did. Wow. So he was yeah. really full of himself. I just laugh in his face if I had the opportunity. That's amazing, but he's not unique because Dewey Tucker, who is like an old school CI phony, 
he says the same thing. He says he has truth from God and that he's got this whole story about a messenger from God spoke to him. And so that I think that's how he, like some of the things he says are backed up by his message that he received from God. And it's like, how do you confirm that? Because we have to use the Bible, but this guy right here, he's got a message straight from God. So how can you argue with him? Yeah. Well, they're saying yeah. they're they're saying that they are prophets when we were told that there there weren't going to be prophets like that, you know, until the you yeah. know Hebrews chapter one. Yeah, it's laid right out in Hebrews chapter one. It's fully evident in the revelation. Go ahead, Chris. Oh, I just want to wish y'all uh, a happy new year. Y'all, bless you all. I gotta go. Uh, I'm uh, I got uh, I'm on my tablet here and I'm almost I'm running out of uh, a hotspot data because I don't want to be on my phone. But uh, I'm going to listen to you guys in the background. But thank you for uh, having me and uh, I'll try and uh, be with you uh, guys next time you have an open forum. Other than that, I'll be downloading all your podcasts and listen to you uh, when I can. So thank you all for uh, having me and Yahweh bless you all. Hell Christ. Yahweh bless. Next open Yahweh forum will Christ. probably be the first weekend in March because I hope to be on the road. Praise Yahweh. Thanks for coming, brother. We'll see you then. All right. Yahweh Thank bless. you. We'll be there uh, on the weekend. Yahweh bless. Yeah, V.S. Herald, he actually thought he was the man. I mean, to me, that's so obnoxious. I don't think anything like that of myself. I'm, I'm just... A, a white boy that studied for 25 years that's trying to share what he's learned about the scriptures and about history and and being able to put one together with the other. That's all I do. I don't pretend to be any more than that, ever. I do wish we could, like, get Dr. Raphael Johnson on and, like, corner him on this interracial marriage thing. Wow. That would be quite funny. <laughs> Because I would be willing to debate Dr. Johnson. I think he would chimp out, like, how dare you even think you can speak to me? <laughs> you know, I can imagine you know, him going down that route. I'm not going to put Sven Longshanks on the shot, on the spot, on the spot. I'm sorry. I haven't drank that much. I like Sven. I'm not going to put him on the spot. But when we were doing the Bible basics, what year was that? 2018? I don't remember, right? 2017, 2018, I don't remember. But it was around then. When we were doing that Bible Basic series, Sven was telling me that he was trying to talk to MRJ, Matthew Johnson, and, and get him to talk to me. And maybe we could do a podcast together or do this or that. Well, it never, ever materialized. Never. One day of... A common friend that we had on Facebook, he he was he was going by the name Eusebi German on Facebook. I'm not really sure who he is, but he was around for a while, and he was actually in the chat and other venues a few times, but he never really stuck around. Well, he tagged myself and Matthew Johnson in a post on Facebook, and I answered it, and Johnson answered it, so I answered Johnson in a really gentlemanly way, but he never came back. I was hoping he'd come back for a conversation, so I was trying to be nice, but he never came back. That was the only one-line exchange I had with Matt Johnson, and I was nice to him, but he never came back. 
and he never accepted anything that Sven said, I guess, about talking to me or anything like that. So fuck him. I, I can't help him if he don't want to talk. I think he's just scared. I really do think he's scared. Yeah. But here's the thing, Bill. Think about it. If you know these Catholics and Orthodoxes, they love saying, like for example, oh, only if you are a higher level, like for example, if you're a bishop or an archbishop, only then you will understand the real secrets of the Bible. While Christian identity said, no, you gotta sit in, read the Bible, and understand how it is. It's simple. There's no hierarchy. You speak directly to God, and you have your, your kingship, of course, but you speak directly to God. So if he if he if he does say that he knows secrets from the Bible that we don't, why is he so afraid to talk to you? It's a rhetorical question. You, I well, well, you what you just said That's about the orthodox is. attitudes of hierarchy is one hundred percent contrary to the teachings of Christ. Yeah, the the veil the veil is torn. The 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 temple is was was thrown down. It, we we we're, we're all priests. All all white men are are a royal priesthood of Yahweh, right? There's no there's no secrets. Christianity is the anti gnostic religion. Secrets left. The truth has been has been told. Right. It's all been explained, and and Paul taught that it was all revealed. He taught that it was revealed. He never taught. I'm sorry, that there were still secrets. He taught that they were revealed. What did, oh, Christ say, what did Christ say about out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, thou hast perfected praise, Matthew chapter 21. What did he say in Matthew chapter 11 that Yahweh had hid these things from the wise and the prudent the people who think they're educated, and has revealed them to babes. And also in Luke chapter 10, speaking about the, the knowledge of God, that he hid those things from the people that thought they were smart and revealed them to people that were not educated in, in their schools. And I'm also glad I didn't go to their too. schools. The the parables were spoken like that too, where the smart ass, twisted mind Edomite Jews at the time could not understand it. But if you had the innocence, the mind of a child, you could. Well, the same the same term applies to what Waltheoff was mentioning, as Fink used with uh, that heralds was uh, they are Christian separatists. Okay. Well, the Old Testament priesthood was a lot like the Catholic Church because they had all these unique teachings that would um, nullify the scriptures just like the Catholic and Orthodox Church do today, and they had that weird priesthood. Actually, actually, sorry, the priesthood of the Old Testament was obviously legitimate. I'm just talking about the Pharisees. They did nullify the law, and when I think of the Catholic Church, I imagine them doing the same thing. So I guess the Old Testament Pharisees were more legitimate than the Orthodox and Catholic churches are today. The the VS Herald. That is. Go ahead, Dasho. 
Go ahead, please. I, I just want, I just wanted to say as an aside, I'm sorry, it's it's only tangibly related, but it's actually really interesting once you study the story of the Old Testament and how it flows into the New Testament, that for a period of time, we didn't have a religion, right? Yahweh still existed, obviously, but we didn't have a religion because the temple was destroyed. So there were no priests, and without the ability to know who should be a priest, we can't have a religion under the the old the old rules of of yahwism of of worshiping yahweh so it, it, it i find it interesting that that there's a break like that and the modern jews of course come out from that they they tried to create a system from that and even even to this day if you can debate a rabbi and, and pin him down and get him to try and explain where his authority comes from they'll admit themselves that they don't really have any and that's why they call themselves rabbis because rabbi of course means teacher they don't they don't call themselves priests because they know they can't but please please go on bill also i think clay martin has a question sorry just just better i just wanted to say that vs herald was originally with richard butler in Aryan nations and from what I understand I wasn't there to see it but it's what I was told it's VS Herald tried to dominate Aryan nations so Richard Butler sort of disinvited him or he left and he went to Kodiak Tennessee and started his Christian separatist movement and he was against Christian identity as we know it from that time but his Christian separatist movement was always very closely held, contained, um, that he didn't publish his works for free, freely. He, he wanted money for everything. And, and I publish everything that I do for free, hoping to get enough support to pay the bills. And that's life. He's no better than a Catholic. Well, wasn't he also a, a proponent of this quote-unquote Yahwehism kind of a thing that it never existed in scripture past a certain point or something like that or he was a preterist well I know that but well I only I only use Yahwism as a term of convenience if that means something else I apologize I just use it to refer to Christianity pre-Christ no, no, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry, Dasho. I, I didn't mean to reference you. I just, that was one of the things, because I, I literally just listened to this <laughs> not too long ago, and that was one of the things I remember in the beginning of the podcast that uh, when Fink had mentioned Harold's, uh, he had said something about, uh, I, th- I think he said Yahwehism. I might be wrong, and I apologize if I am, but no, sorry, Dasho, that, that had nothing to do with you. Well, Harold's dead. He died last year, I think, or maybe earlier this year. I don't remember, but he's dead. I'm not going to gloat in his death, but he's dead. It's just a fact. Most of I didn't know that about about, uh, Harold and uh, the whole Aryan Nations thing. That's really interesting. A long time ago, uh, I was trying to get one of his anointed standard Bibles and such, but that was just an, kind of an anomaly, you know. Uh, uh, that's very interesting about him and the nations up there in Hayden Lake, whatever. Yeah, Harold was there early on. I don't remember how early, but I was told the story by some 
old-time Aryan Nations guys, and I actually do have some early, very early Herald literature in my prison papers. But I got three big crates left, three and a half crates of prison papers that are in storage that have been in storage since before I got home from prison that I've never had the chance to go through and sort out. They're still sitting in my storage. I don't even have the space here to sort it out. So someday it might happen or maybe it'll just burn one day. I don't care. That's, that's life. I have a lot of notes that I wrote and, and things that I, studies I did that are still there that I haven't had a chance to get to after 11 years. I guess I'm just going to keep doing what I think is most important at any given time. Before we, before we move too far away from the topic, I just wanted to mention as, as an aside, um, I, I, walked, I walked around with the people on the alt-right for a very long time. But in spite, of, in spite of all of the things that these people profess and in spite of all of the connections that they have to people like Sven Longshanks or people like Aryan Nations promoting things like the Butler Plan, I never heard anything about Christian identity while I was with them. And also in spite of speaking to dozens and dozens of uh, Southern nationalists and Dixiecrats and people of that persuasion, no one ever mentioned the League of the South either. The, the only time I ever heard about Christian identity was when I spoke to Sven Longshanks about it. Yeah, never. I can they, agree. They, they, they don't mention it. They don't talk about it. They don't bring it up. I'm, I'm kind of of the opinion that I, I, I actually, I agree with Joe that, 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 uh, that Anglin is fundamentally he he changes with the wind, right? He's in, he's a grifter. He's interested in making, getting popular and making a profit. But I, I I am of the opinion, from my impressions of him and from knowing him the way I know him, as as I was acquainted with him, I believe that his the engagement that he gives Christian identity right now is very begrudging, and that he would rather not talk about it at all. And I believe the only reason he talks about it is because half of his viewers want to talk about it, and he 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 simply can't can't avoid the topic. I feel he would if he could get away with it. Christian identity shames these people. They don't want to talk about it. They're embarrassed by it. They're afraid of it. Uh, it makes them blush. They turn away. Well, I guess sooner or later it's going to prove that they're all frauds because it's truth. Well, I, I believe that day is coming. I mean, that day came for the Weimar Republic. Uh, Hitler wrote about it in Mein Kampf. There's a there's a chapter that mentions it, where there was there was a great crowd. I believe, as Hitler described it, a crowd of men arguing in 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 the Weimar Republic at the time. People fighting over different philosophies, different ideas. There were there were monarchists. There were people who you know, were advocating for, you know, total anarchy, tear everything down. There were people who were saying we have to go back to, you know, the just, just a few years previously. Uh, there were people arguing for the Teutonic Empire, right, and things like this. And it just went around and around in circles and it never accomplished anything until things reached a breaking point and the NSDAP was able to, in just about two, two and a half years' time, achieve a, a supermajority and, and overturn uh, the, the the Weimar Republic by getting uh, Adolf Hitler democratically elected as uh, as chancellor. 
Right. So I, I believe I believe something like that is probably going to happen in our near future. I I don't think it'll happen the same way. We we could only wish that it would, right? But I, I think a day is coming when all of these squabbling voices will ultimately be silenced. It's it's they they have nothing but Amen. noise. They have nothing but noise to offer. Right. I don't want but, any of the fucking pretenders joining us and pretending to be leaders or something. Fuck them. That the that they have to be exposed to the clowns they are. It, it's like <sighs> certain clowns that a year after Trump had become president had started to discuss the fact that he was betraying white nationalists when I told them a year before he got elected that he was going to betray them. That's the fucking difference. That these people are all clowns. All these white nationalist pundits are just running their mouths and, and maybe they're smooth talkers but they're all just clowns. It it disgusts me. It really does. I'm not How trying to blow gonna... smoke up my own ass. I ain't trying to lead nothing. Christ is our leader. But they're all just clowns. How are they going to win an information war if most of their arguments are boo-hoo, they're mean men, they're bad. Oh, but yeah. I kind of agree with them. How are they going to win the information war? And like I said, one of our ideas is probably the most popular idea that could appeal to white people, which is that Christ was white. When you tell white people Jesus was white, that's extremely popular. That's what their fathers believed. They did not believe and would never, even, even the most liberal people would never want to bow down and worship. When, when it gets bad, they're not going to want to worship a non-white Christ. So our detractors, their, their strength is boo-hoo, they're mean, boo-hoo. What have they got? Nothing. What have we got? We've got the real strength in the truth, and we pray that God gives the strength. So if it's an information war like Dasho is talking about, I, I pray we win that information war. Well, that's the point well, I, mean, I tried to make in, in podcasts like Christian Identity. What difference does it make? What, where I said that these people that think that they know better today, they think they're smarter than 80 generations of their own ancestors, who, who were Christians, none of them believed that Jesus was a nigger. For 80 generations of Germans, they wouldn't have believed that Jesus was a nigger. They wouldn't worship a nigger. Yeah, they wouldn't have even accepted it if, the, if that's what the message was. So it's pretty obvious that the message was this white, you know, it was a white message. They never would have accepted this Arab. Who don't, they, there's no way. There's no way any of our racist fathers... You know, they're always whinging about how racist our fathers were, would have ever accepted that. The, and that's England's message. England is some sort of progressive, oh, maybe Jesus was non-white. That's something you hear in a, from a fucking Jew or in some sort of progressive liberal LGBT church. That's what England is. Yeah, well, that's how they sowed that seed back in the 70s or 60s or whatever. That's exactly what a Jew said. The the secular white nationalists and the the pagans and the the other the Gnostics and the other people of that persuasion always always like to quote Heinrich Himmler and they 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 like to sift around through the NSDAP and to try and find people who tangibly agree with some of the things they like because they're always looking for an authority to vindicate. Them. They can't. They, they can't stand on their own merits. They, they need people to prop up. 
and say, look, the so-and-so agreed with me. That, me, that means I'm right and I'm good. But even, even Heinrich Himmler, who, who was somewhat controversial within the NSDAP, he made it abundantly clear that if you disparaged Christ or if you tried to claim that Christ was a Jew, you were out of the Waffen-SS. He would throw you out himself. Anyone who criticized Christ was not welcome. You were kicked out of the, out of the, out of the SS and out of the party. Right. So Dennis Wise did a good job turning up some of this stuff. So it's 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 very. At the end of the day, I I think I think the the summary of it is this: Anglin has already admitted we're right about everything. He he has stated explicitly that Christian identity is right. Jesus was probably white, in his words, probably white, and that our message makes sense. He just wants to believe that he's more reasonable. As, as Joe says, their, argue, their argument is we're a bunch of meanie pants. He wants to believe that he's more reasonable than we are. So listen to him and don't ever listen to us and don't even ask us questions. So go far away from us and flee from us if we ever show up. He's already admitted we're right. So the, the, in my opinion, the, the, the conversation is closed. He's, he's admitted we're right. Game over. Well, that's nice. In my opinion, he's always just going to be a punk. Yeah, I'm. I'm sure he'll he'll put on a he'll put on a, a a Dixie cat and come down south when when the secession gets announced and he'll try and be a leader down there. He'll of get course. beat up behind a bar somewhere. I hope I'm the one to do it. <laughs> That's all I can say. I've talked to David Duke lately. <sighs> no, David. Yeah, you know. <laughs> He kind of cornered me at the last national conference of the League of the South. It was pretty funny because he was hanging out in the back and he was hanging around my table where I was. I had some of my books out on the table, offered them to for League people and people at the conference. I was kind of, my arm was twisted into doing that. I don't even like doing that. But, well, David was hanging around my book table, and this is like four years now that I've seen David Duke pretty regularly at league events, and I just ignore him. I'm like the only guy in the league that won't even talk to him, and he kind of knows it. So there were like four or five people standing around me, including Brad, my son, and, and a couple of people from my panhandle chapter here, and Melissa. And we're all talking, and a few people from Texas, from, from the Christagenia Forum. Um, Genesis 1 from the Christagenia Forum was there. And we're all talking, and David Duke walked right up to me and stuck his hand out and said, How you doing, fella? And I, I, I was just in a position where I just had to shake his hand. And I said, Okay, David, that was a good speech. Thanks. And, and that was all we said. That's all we said to each other. And I guess he felt happy that I acknowledged him and shook his hand because for four years I wouldn't even acknowledge him. So then well, I decided. Bad, so <laughs> that that was when I decided when I got home I did that white nationalist cognitive disconnect part three. That's why I did it for David Duke at the League of the South conference. Does anybody they, know about the? Patrick Slattery guy that he goes around with. He sounds like a I'm sorry, he sounds like a kite to me. I don't know. No idea. Didn't even know him. Never heard of him. 
I can just see Duke coming up to you. How's it going there, buddy? <laughs> yeah, it was goofy. But he was looking for my approbation or approval or acknowledgement. Was was he flexing when he walked up to you? Did he have a Yeah, dog? right. Right. <laughs> he... What a clown, man. <laughs> did he yeah, did any blush, any uh, mascara fall onto your book? <laughs> I really listened to him, but the one morning he said that he had to get to his secretary about that. I was like, he has a secretary? Wow. Yeah. I guess probably not. Well, that just means you're on the fucking payroll. What a fag. I was about to a... say, it, anybody who has that much money and who gets their own secretary and they do this for a living, they, they're they a cop. I mean, it's alright if you got, like, your wife as your quote-unquote secretary or something, but I, I don't see his secretary. <laughs> I just see him on the payroll with his payroll secretary with a poodle sticking out of their back pocket and, <laughs> you know, a, <laughs> a lipstick pen in their front pocket or something i don't know you know david really is showing his age now he could hardly walk he was walking like clifton did before he fell and passed i swear david was david was walking like a 90 year old there is something strange about his face like he wears makeup or had some surgery or something he's had surgery just... he dyes his hair he di look at my hair look at my hair look at that <laughs> he doesn't have one fucking gray hair on his head david duke not one gray hair i bet i bet he got the vax too and he won't tell you he's at least 10 years older than me i think he's more like 14 years older than me look at my hair he doesn't have one gray hair not one this Look is... at my beard. He doesn't have he doesn't have a beard. He shaves his face bald. And it looks like he's it's been plastered. It his face looks like Plato or silly putty. Yeah, like fucking Android or something. I don't know how old he is. He he might be seventy two, seventy three. He's older than me. Okay, he was born in 1950. He was born 10 years and a half before I was born. 10 years and 5 months. So he's 71. At least. I was born in 60. I'm 61. He's 71. But... Happy New Year, everybody! Happy New Year, Chris. He, he doesn't have a gray hair on his head. Happy New Year. It's like seven minutes after I didn't even notice. Happy New Year to y'all. <laughs> Melissa cut my hair. Melissa cut my hair the other day on, on in oh. our yard under the house, right, on the cement pad. She cut my hair, and I was kind of teasing, and I said, is my hair more blonde or brown? And she said, babe, it's all gray. And I laughed, right, because I was teasing her. That that's David Duke doesn't have a gray hair. It's all blonde. Perfect. Same color like a Crayola crayon. So, yeah, he dyes like everything. He dyes his hair. I'm getting terrible feedback. I don't know who it's from. Duke dyes his hair. He probably wears makeup. He's meticulous about his facial appearance. 
he does curls, right, to make big biceps, but he, the rest of him isn't very big at all. He's kind of a small guy, and he's just a vain asshole, but he could hardly walk now. He's having bad back problems. You could tell it when he's walking. Yeah, it's just the glamour muscles, but he's past his time. Obviously, it's too bad. You know, the the amount of sway he could have he could have done if he if he just did what he should have done. I mean, how many people hang on his words and uphold him to such a high high regard? He's gone the way of Rush Limbaugh, and I know Far the league many. probably the league probably invites him. As like the main event, the main attraction, I guess, because of his uh, notoriety. Um, you, I understand that, but uh, I don't see how if most of the league or probably half of them, at least the leaders are CI, how they would not uh, call him out on his uh, blasphemies pretty much. I don't understand that. Well, well I know that I know that Michael Hill is trying to get Duke to talk to me, and Duke won't talk to me. He'll never talk to me about the Bible. I'd be shocked. I'd fall over. No, I wouldn't. But he he wouldn't ta ever talk to me about the Bible. He knows he knows everything. How do I talk to a guy that knows everything? Duke well, really like thinks he knows everything. I like the fact that you ignored him, like Jesus ignored these other people when he walked around. So that's that's good. I've done my best to ignore. I wouldn't Duke. shake his hand. I've yeah, done I my best. Order. I wouldn't want to talk to him. Yeah, there's a point where you have to be a southern gentleman when you're in a crowd of people and somebody comes up to shake your hand, and nobody around you is going to understand. So you just go with it. I I just rolled with it. But for four years, I totally ignored him. And I really think that was eating at him and eating at him. So I was really hoping that if I shook his hand, if I complied, that I would have a better conversation with him. But it didn't happen. It might next time. But I'll ignore him a little next time, too. I'll keep ignoring him. I won't change. If I can't send him a message one way, I'll send it to him the other. I I, I just consider everyone from that generation to be clowns because Butler Butler was right. Butler had the right idea and Butler was Christian identity. And everybody who, who came after him or who, who tried to build off of his legacy or to declare themselves the inheritors of it, they they denounced Christian identity. They they cleansed the Christianity from it. They were atheists. They were pagans. They were secularists who who didn't care about about God at all, right? The the Harold Covington with the Northwestern Front didn't take off. Nothing happened with it, and he died in his radio chair, broadcasting, demanding everybody come up and hang out with him and play in the woods, right? And the the Pierce's cosmotheism fell fell apart too. No surprise there. It's 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 very rich of the of the the atheists, the racist atheists today, to accuse Christian identity of being a uh, a white Talmud because that's what Pierce's cosmotheism was to a T. It was a white Talmud, 
And it, I, I don't know. To me, in my in my personal opinion, he's he's the last of that of that breed of of deviator of of a person who is trying tried to make a career out of being a white nationalist and just fundamentally failed at it. Duke is a failure, and I think he knows he's a failure. Yeah, exactly. But he has a secretary. Yeah, exactly. I, I would only add that I don't disagree, but uh, you know, I won't accuse anyone specifically out of who we've named except for Duke, but I can't help but get the impression that he, he would not change, even though I've heard on a podcast from... Uh, Oh, I won't even try to remember the names, but it was one of the one of the guys that used to be involved that moved from California to Ireland that had actually met him earlier back in the day when Duke was actually expressing pro CI sentiment. You're talking um, about Danny Uptograph. Yeah, uh thank you. And also um well whatever, I won't even try. But um but my point is that I think Duke he might even know that he's wrong, but he's not going to let it go because that's his paycheck. He'd rather have the pay over the truth. Um, I mean, I, I would go so far as to accuse him of that, even though I could be wrong. But at the same time, look how many Jews he rubs elbows with, you know? I mean, he could just be... He could just be false. I don't know. Yeah, well... Duke has a secretary. Me. I can't Duke. afford a secretary. I I I don't want to I don't want to complain. Sometimes I don't know if I can afford a postage stamp. I can't whenever afford a secretary. I hear Duke, whenever I hear Duke talk uh, so badly about Jacob <clears throat> and so lovingly about Esau, I just want to throw my phone through the window. Yeah, you're right. You're exactly right. And I would challenge Duke on that. But he won't talk to me about the Bible. I'll tear him up on the Jacob Esau thing. I will destroy him. But he won't talk to me about the Bible. And I know that Michael Hill has tried to get him to talk to me, and he won't do it. I, 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 found, I find it really telling how many secularists and how many atheist, atheists who claim to be white nationalists side with Esau over Jacob. And they, they even go so far as to use it as an indictment against the Bible and against Christianity. Yeah. Saying, "Oh, God is God is such a bastard for backing Jacob and not loving Esau," and it's it's I don't even know. Are they reading the same story? <laughs> it's They're the same Rebecca, clowns. His mother, his mother, his wonderful mother knew knew the truth and knew what needed to be done. And his father, who knew who knew Yahweh, he 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 was full of his belly, right? They're the same clowns who would encourage marrying a chink because they are traditional wives. What do they mean when they call CI white Talmudism? Because CI is only based on the Bible. We see white supremacy in the Bible. Peter said, um, wasn't it, you are a holy race? Right, so white supremacy is in the Bible. So what do they mean when they say, "Oh, see, I have white Talmudism"? What I recording think they mean. has stopped. Oh, <laughs> recording. I've wondered that myself. No, um, well, what they, what they, I think what they mean by it is they think that we are copying the Talmud from the Jews, but we're being white mean. people in the place of Jews. Yeah, but they I think mean, that, yeah, 
So like I, they what they want to set all non-white to not be mean like the Jews or say not be white supremacists is what they want, I guess. Well, Sorry, I mean Dasha. they they have it backwards because of course they don't they don't understand the story and they don't understand the history of the Jews. They don't really acknowledge that either. The fact is the the Talmud is of course partially it's partially Jewish, but it it's also partially based off of what they learned from us. So it's it's not like white supremacism is is white people taking Jewishness from Jews. Jewish supremacism is something Jews learned from us, and they took it for themselves. They the, call us Amalek. They claim that we're we're the Edomites who need to be destroyed, right? That's their claim. Let me just say real quick, the recording stopped, but I'm still recording. The Jitsi recording stopped, but I'm still recording. This is still a podcast. I'll probably keep it up until this conversation wanes or... Maybe by twelve thirty. Okay. I guess it's I because, uh, as Ossie Adam had said, but I don't think his voice has come through. It's because you mentioned the secret word white supremacy and the recording stopped. No, no, it stopped because it was exactly four hours since Zephiel started it. Oh, that's what I figured. It timed out. Yeah. Well, that's you know, I have to set a time for the recording when I configured the server. And never imagined I'd have a program that was in excess of four hours. So, come on. <laughs> but we're still recording. I'm still recording independently. And the recording I make is the recording that's going to be posted. I just Gerald think when they, whine, when they whine about like white Talmudism, what they're basically saying is, oh, boo-hoo. You think you're supreme, this master race like the Jews. And it's like, well, we actually are the master race. That's what the Bible says. It's not white Talmudism. That's what the Bible says. It's like a boo-hoo. So what's what's the counter argument? We're all actually equal. You know, we're equal to Arabs and chinks and niggers. And it's like, is that your argument? Right. Is that what, you know, and that's what Andre Anglin said. He said, see, I was white Talmudism. Okay, Anglin. So is that, your counter-argument then that we're equal to Arabs and niggers and chinks? Is that your argument? First, that's, first, that goes back to, like you said, that goes back to the values of liberalism. But more importantly than that, I address this in my podcast on it's not white supremacy, it's God's supremacy. But I also addressed it in the forum, when I answered that nigger clown on the Battle of New Orleans radio about the accusation that we are out-Jewing the Jews. And the difference between us and Talmudism is that Christianity wants a white world for whites only. We don't want to rule over other races. We don't want to enslave other races. We want them totally out of our world. The Jews and Talmudism, they want to rule over other races and use them as their slaves so that the slaves do all the work and all the labor for them. That's the primary difference between Christian identity, the way it should be, and Talmudism. Now, if you said that British Israel was like Talmudism, I might more closely agree because they taught dominion theology, but we don't. We only want a world for our own kind, and we want all the other kinds out of the world. 
We don't want to help them. We don't want to rule over them. We don't want them as slaves. We want to pick our own cotton. That's the key difference. So I, the I don't know. I'm the sorry, white Christian would take his money and help his own kind. The Jew would take his money to rule over other kinds. That's a difference. Go ahead, Dash. I don't. I was going to say I don't disagree with anything you or Joe have said, but I, I feel as though even engaging it on that level is giving it too much credit, because people like Andrew Anglin, these people who are supposedly on 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 the far right, they themselves profess to be racists. They themselves claim that they believe in a in a white in white countries, white world, right, white pride. So when when they when they accuse us of being white Talmudism, I mean, even even before we even discuss what the Talmud even is, the, the argument is, you know, you support white Talmudism or you claimed to ten minutes ago, right? Well the difference between just you and them. Dasho is like you don't want niggas in heaven. I, that might be it then. You know, like I agree with maybe, Bill. That maybe. was very good what Bill said. But you don't want niggas in heaven, so you're a white Talmudist. <laughs> I I just I just think even even in, in engaging it on that level is silly because it's fundamentally hypocritical for them to to accuse us of that because as opposed to what right would be the rebuttal. So you don't want white uh, a, a white supremacist? Are you saying you're not a white supremacist? Because you know, I mean, again, this is this just goes around in circles because fundamentally, people like Anglin aren't honest, right? He's already admitted we're right, but then he'll turn around and, and say that we're wrong the next day. He's not honest, right? No. Or or even if he even if he is honest, he certainly changes his mind very often about very fundamental things. So even if he's not a liar, he's extremely flighty. So you can't have a serious discussion of substance with someone like that. You can't expect anything of them. Well, whites are supreme to me. That's all I know. Right. I, I, just, I just think the very accusation is silly, right? It's just white Talmudism. And you I've seen that it, mostly right? from pagans with their white Talmudism. They're, oh, you want to be the true Jew or you worship a kike on a stick. They don't even understand what they're what their supposed slur is they're throwing at you in the first place. No, they don't. And I, I, I find I find the history of the Old Testament to be very hysterical in, in a in a long term view, looking at the things we struggle with now. Because as the Israelites, we took the Canaanites into captivity, right? We destroyed their culture, we destroyed their religion, we taught them to behave like us. There's there's very similar parallels to what the Israelites did then and what the what the British and what the Germans did in America, right? With, with native Americans and with Negroes where, where we essentially made them live beside us and made them work with us and for us. They didn't want to, they were taken against their will. So, so accusations of things like white Talmudism in a way, it, it's almost like, like if someone 250 years from now or a hunt or a thousand years from now accused someone of being a white constitutionalist. Oh, you want a white United States of America, right? Or you, I, I bet you want a white Germany. It's, it's so silly. You know, the funny thing is there is a, like a, I don't know, I would say a, a pagan, but he's more like, a, you know, a secularist. His name is Tide or something. 
And he, interestingly enough, he, he has a paper which says, for example, oh, uh, that we shouldn't, quote-unquote, cuck to the idea of, oh, but I'm a nationalist for all the others. I'm a nationalist for myself and every other reason. He was against this. But at the same time, he complains that, that there's a Jewish supremacy in the Old Testament. So how can he consult these two points of view? You either pick one or the other. Well, the whole out-Jewing the Jew phrase, I think the first time I ever heard that was on like a 2016 or 17 podcast around the Charlottesville thing on uh, the Battle for New Orleans um, radio show that Bink was on. I, I can't remember exactly. I think a nigger was saying it, but just the concept itself seems like a Jewish reflection. Like yep. this, you know, like this projecting an internalized realization that they can't get over uh, and they weaponize it. Well, the Talmud is a weaponized version of the Old Testament, not really a version of the Old Testament, but it's a weaponized extrapolation of the Old Testament based on a false claim that the Jews have have used to their advantage for 2,000 years. Well, it's an oxymoron, you know. But isn't it basically them commentating on the New Te or the Old Testament? That they are commentating on the Old Testament. They're they're disputing with the law. They're proving themselves to be smarter than God. At the same time, they're claiming up or upholding the false claim to be God's chosen people to legitimize their own rule over all other races. And they actually do believe that the whole world should be theirs, that they should own everything, and you should own nothing and just work to serve them. That's Talmudism. That's not CI. That's called well, isn't, Schwab, isn't it now? <laughs> well, isn't white Talmudism just saying it that way alone, just giving the Talmud too much credit anyways? I guess to agree to a degree you could say that because it's pretending the Talmud is legitimate in the first place. That's what I mean. You know, with Anglin, I can only suspect. I, I really don't like. I, I know jack shit about the guy. Honestly, I, I hardly know anything of it except from what I've seen through Christogenia, which is enough in my mind. But with him, the, I would the probably Philippines. They know. They know him there. Delhi Stormer. Yeah, the Filipino well, girls know him. Well, that's that's what I, partly what I've seen. So I mean, that's enough for me. But um, but I would, in his case, all I can suspect is I would blame probably the churches first and foremost. Is he's probably holding on to this Catholic idea that God loves all, and I, I mean, I don't know. I'm just assuming. I'm just kind of thinking out loud. I guess. Forgive me, but. I don't know. I mean, we've all been there to some degree. I was there, too. Like I mentioned earlier, I, that was my last step as a white nationalist from my teenage years as I couldn't rectify race with God. And maybe he just can't get over that hump. Or maybe he is un unable because he's not even white. I don't know. I won't accuse him of that. But I will. In his, 
Yeah, that's okay. In his case, all I mean though is it just the impression that I get is that he's he's just holding on to that that churchianity aspect of it. I, I can't accuse him. I can't accuse him of trying to keep his paycheck kind of a thing, because as has already been stated, not just tonight but other times, I think even on an open forum that it it was proven and was shown that his biggest following was CI. So, I mean, he must not have cared about his, you know, if he's money from people, he must not have cared about the money that much if he's, if he's going to alienate so many people that way, right? All, I, all I'll say... All, the last thing I'll say about Andrew England on, on this on this program is he loves wearing his Trump hat these days because people kept making fun of the shape of his skull because it doesn't look like a human. He looks like he has a monkey skull. I'll say that and leave it there. <laughs> he looks like an Australia Pithecus from a natural history museum dressed up in, in like a tracksuit with Nikes on. That's why he wears hats all the time now because people kept making fun of his head. And it's funny if you think about it, Dasho, because there's a lot of detractors that say, oh, you only look at skin color. You know, if you, if you douse a white person in mud and you, make, and you compare to an albino uh, Negro, what is going to be prettier? I don't think Andrew Anglin is white, based on his features and his skull shape. I never thought he was white. Exactly. Yeah. If you doubt, if you paint someone black, like an Adamite, if you use a paint and paint it black or black, dark brown, the person is going to retain the features. Well, I mean, I got a Listen. bunch of albino niggers posted on lithobolus.net and and it it says that white is more than skin deep. Albino niggers yeah, are still it, niggers. When you look at them, it's like, whoa, it's still a nigger. Yeah, yeah that's what England looks like. I think you made the meme where one of them is England, and I think that's the one you got posted, Bill, because it's like, here are a bunch of niggers that are actually, what do, what do you call it when they've got their skin white? Albino, yeah. And then <laughs> it's got the line up, and one of them's England, and it was supposed to be a funny meme, and I think that's the one you got posted, Bill. Probably. <laughs> I, probably, I remember that. I probably have it posted somewhere. Right. All right. Compare a white German to a white albino Negro, and uh, what do you get? I mean, my God. Hey, you're just a racist. You know, you moved on from hating the color of their skin, and now you hate, you know, the shape of the nose. You just it's never ends. The prejudice. They can well, never get over their prejudice. It's like, what do you want them to do next? Dye their hair blonde? and They'll just never get there. You can't make a nigger into a man. That's the lesson, I guess. Well, I, I Even a yellow was... person. Sorry, Eric. It's just a compliment. Even if you paint a, a, or pick up a yellow albino, you know, an Asian, it's still going to look grotesque, too. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. No, good call. I was just going to say that. I mean, that was one of the things I remember... Way back from my early teens, one of the most simplest arguments was like, if skin color was the only difference, there would be no problems. Like, how many white people get tan in the summer and, like, what, we just look in the mirror and start hating ourselves? It's like, it's just, 
I mean, that's a very loose, I'm not trying to make an argument, but I mean, it's a pretty simple observation. I mean, it's especially in cartoons nowadays, you see <laughs> some of these outlets where it's basically black. Uh, they can always still people. kiss my white ass. Sorry. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> right, right. Probably uh, five or six years ago, just talking about uh, white Talmudism, <clears throat> there was a term thrown around called uh, white jihadism. I don't know if you guys remember that. It was before the whole alt-right thing blown up, and yeah, but it was I white nationalists throwing it around. I don't, I don't know what flavor they were, like MGTOW or whatever, but. They, they were promoting a white version of jihadism, pretty much. Oh, I think I know what it is. I think it's white Sharia, right? Yeah, that's it. White Sharia. Yeah. And they'll, they'll promoting it because they want women to stop being whores. So they're like, oh, the only way we can stop women being whores is to promote white Sharia. And it's like, yeah, what about what the Bible says? Like, the Bible. Yeah doesn't want women to be whores. I don't know why they have to promote Islam. We have all the instructions in the Bible already. Why do these people want to come up with something like cosmotheism? Like, why did William Luther Pierce have to come up with cosmotheism? He only needed to sit down and read the Bible. I'm sure there would be a Christian identity or something even like a biblical story and that would help him understand the Bible. He hated the Bible. He whinged like a Jew. You know, I'm not saying he is Jewish, but when someone whinges and whinges about the Bible and they're just like, like caustic against it, it, it starts to be like, mate, you know, just stop whinging and actually, like, what are your actual arguments? And they're just like chucking a tantrum. That's what he was like. When Joe well, says whinge, I, I think to... that's a Australian word for wine or something. Whinge, yeah. I didn't know you didn't say that. Winch, wine. He just whines about Yeah, we say wine. Complains. Yeah, I can't stand the National Alliance website or whatever it's this the place. They always bash Christianity. I can't stand the website. I was going to ask William, does he know about this J guy on Stormfront who promotes that uh, uh, National Alliance? No, I don't. I haven't been on Stormfront hardly in... 10 years, 12 years. It's the radio show. It's with, uh, what do you call him? Donna Black? <laughs> Donna Black. That's him. That's the Don epithet Nigger. he deserves, that bitch. Don Nigger. Daisy Duke and Donna Black. Yes, sir. Don Rips. Black sent me a friend request on Facebook. I got a screenshot. It's still sitting there. I wouldn't, I, I, I posted the screenshot on my Facebook page. And said, no way, Donna Black. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to accept this friend request. I don't know why I sent it. He sent it about a week after I did White Nationalist Cognitive Dissonance Part 3. So I get a friend request from Donna about... Black. Oh, okay. Sorry, it's just that someone asked about William Luther Pierce involving something with pornography. It wasn't him. It was something. someone called Kevin Alfred Storm. He was also as a pedophile, I think. Yeah. Pierce. There's some things Pierce did that I thought were okay, but yeah, he was a clown. He was a clown that wanted to invent his own religion that didn't really understand Christianity 
and didn't take the time to study the history to answer the Jewish question. That's what separates us from all the other clowns is that we can answer the Jewish question and we could cite history books to prove that our answer is true. It's that simple. I don't think people like Pierce wanted to understand. I don't think men like them wanted to understand. They had a, they had a grudge. Pierce did. He yeah, may have. He I mean, I don't know nothing about the man. I I've I've read some of his writing. To me, he seems to have a he has a personal grudge against Christianity. Right, but I wonder what grudge. Like, did his parents made him sit down or go to the church every Sunday, and he despised that, or was something like you know someone like a Bernard Cornwell, you know, the historical fiction writer? He was raised by a play uh, by a cult called Peculiar People, and he despises Christianity now. Do you think by now that Pierce knows that God has a grudge against him? Oh. <laughs> Just maybe. You know, it could be that people like Pierce and the so-called like uh, Adamite LARPers that go into uh, paganism and such, that they're just like impetuous, rebellious teenagers. Yeah. Right. That know that really, truly know the way in their hearts, but they're just rebelling to be different or in the in crowd or such right wanted wanting to invent something cool because christianity isn't cool i could understand that pierce had to be yeah. in charge of everything he absolutely insisted in being the boss that's a shame that's a lack of humility yeah and yeah. I mean, he, he looked like a smart person, right? He was a biologist or whatever. He had everything. He was smart, but he couldn't get past Jesus as a Jew thing. And everything he looked at was from that perspective. Well, he was he was good enough on historical aspects alone, you know, facts and slavery and whatnot. But he could never capitalize on the who and why and, and what the fuck they were. Right, so I don't. I don't think it was with his. His oh, sorry, Fink. I'm putting you to sleep. Just kidding. But uh, I, I don't think it was within his purview. He had his. He had his thing. I don't think he was looking for it. But that's just the. No, he didn't look. That's for sure. And you couldn't talk to him about it at all. I spent quite a bit of time at his headquarters, and uh, he wasn't interested at all. He just laughed. Wow. And if you think about it, it's kind of sad because, you know, his precursor, you know, George Lincoln Rockwell, he was open to understand it better. Yeah. And had even Lothar Stoddard. Yeah. Exactly. You know, another another one that won't even hear another word edgewise is that Germar Rudolph. He will not even respond to Christian identity or Christogenia alone. Is he a the Holocaust uh, revisionist? I don't yep. know who that is. And and you know the sad thing is I really liked Gerlof Germa Rudolph when I read his books when I was in prison. 
dissecting the Holocaust, and I don't know if I read anything else, but I read that, and a bunch of his Barnes Review articles when, when he was published in the Barnes Review, and we have a good mutual friend in Carolyn Yeager. Carolyn Yeager is still my friend to this day. I still manage her websites. I don't host them. She hosts them. She pays for it. But I manage her server and her websites. And I think that there's a lot of worthwhile reasons why I do that. That's besides the point. Germar Rudolph is a common friend. She's really close. He's really close to Carolyn, too. But he just rejects Christianity and he accepts all of modern liberalism. And that's a damn shame that somebody could be that so smart in one particular area and so blind in so many other important areas. Yeah, I'll never true. get it. That's what Yahweh wants. Yeah. I, I would. Sorry, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I'm sorry. I could probably I keep talking over you. Same, same thing with Will Williams, same thing with Kevin Alfred Strom. Will Williams is just a mountain drunk. That's all oh, he is. He? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, he's a drunk. I, I was gonna test what you said to. Uh, I had so much hope for uh, David Irving. You know, maybe I put way too much credit in the guy, but I, I wish he would have came around. To uh... you know, I read Hitler's War. Back when I was doing program, I maybe didn't read the whole thing. I read most of it. Back when I was doing programs with Sword Brethren, and I was appalled at how much of the British sense of superiority and the British, despite of the Nazis, that Irving accepted and repeated and took for granted is true. I really was. Right. And I, I almost, you know, and I shouldn't compare him to who we were talking about. Uh, I mean, I, he might be fair to compare on certain levels, but I, I think you had put it pretty directly, that which I couldn't disagree with because I read that book too. Um, and I think right away in the beginning, I don't know if he says this just to like, you know, kind of like, nestle himself in between everyone and like oh see i'm not oh hitler you know whatever but no. he had made some comment about like hitler and his cronies or some shit he made a bunch but, of those comment comments but reading the rest of the I book too, though, right but reading the rest of the book too though sometimes i i got the impression that that was kind of a veil but even if that's true that doesn't that doesn't make it right to sacrifice that shit because I can I can admit I fell into that that same uh, tactic, you know, not to the point of like calling Hitler a Zionist or any of that bullshit, any of that dog shit garbage. But you know, I I remember when I was younger, I would make the same tactic or whatever, like, oh yeah, Hitler wasn't good at this, but he did, you know, he didn't do this, this, and this, or whatever. But I kind of got that same impression from Irving. But some other shit I read, too, in some of his um, videos I saw of him, it seemed like he was kind of just holding back. But at the same time, probably one of his most popular videos, I heard him admit that 
he didn't even he wasn't even sure if Hitler wrote Mein Kampf, and it was like, get the fuck out of here! <laughs> like, wow. so excuse me, maybe he's not a good example, but I think uh, my whole my only point is I wish out of anybody that I had read uh, as when I was younger, I wish he would have came around to it all, but whatever. Well, Irving wow, turned me nice. off. He did turn me off, as you said, in the opening chapters of Hitler's War. I don't remember how much of the book I read, but I read a substantial portion of it. But I was disgusted with his attitude, which was the typical attitude of British superiority and, and those evil Nazis. And I hated that. And, and maybe that prevented me from looking deeper into it to see that it was a veil or, or whatever. But no, I didn't like David Irving. I, I, I think, think another. Even, <clears throat> sorry, Eric. I, I don't know if you're going to say about him, but but you reminded me of Pat Buchanan. I was about to bring wrote... up Pat Buchanan. Oh, okay, sorry about that. No, I mean, go ahead, please. No, it's just that because Eric reminded me because I think Pat Buchanan also wrote about World War Two, and I think he wrote even in more neutral terms. He didn't need to demonize Germany or anything, but I didn't read anything, so you can add on if you want. No, I voted for Pat Buchanan in 1992. I'd take Pat Buchanan over Irving or Pierce or um, at least he's not a complete phony and narcissist. Yeah, I've I've read uh, Pat Buchanan's books. I, I own most of them. And I, I, the reason I don't buy the the idea that Irving was was tactically throwing Hitler under the bus is because Pat Buchanan didn't. He he wrote a book. I you can you can read it if you want. I think anybody who is who's listening to this is probably advanced beyond the need to read Pat Buchanan. To be completely honest, although he is a very good writer, you can always read it for entertainment purposes. But um, he wrote a book called. Churchill, Hitler, and the Unnecessary War. And in that book, he essentially blames World War II on Churchill, Roosevelt, and Truman, and Churchill especially the people who were who were backing Churchill at the time, the people who were funding it to encourage the war to happen. He didn't blame Hitler for it, right? He 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 was even criticized during the time when he published the book, right, for not blaming Hitler for it. But he got away with it. Like I I don't I don't accept the idea that that Irving was compelled to throw Hitler under the bus because other people didn't. Pat Buchanan didn't. Pat Buchanan was was at the very end of his career then. If he had written that when he was on Crossfire, or you know making big money he'd have been over well did david urban have how many Dave? how many children did david urban have so you know you have to consider that david, yeah. i remember i remember the thing that was appealing about hit or excuse me irving was that he was a brit and that he was supposedly you know he was advertising <clears throat> that he was uh portraying the uh, more of a truth about World War II, and some of it he did. You know, I'll give him for that. But at uh, I think in his pretext or some part that he uh, moved to Germany and worked in like a factory 
to better learn the German dialect and language. Uh, he spoke fluent. Up. He spoke fluent German. Right, but I mean that was like appealing. But then you read the book, and I mean that was not my first instance to uh, World War Two. I don't know, for lack of a better term, revisionism. Right, and I was very disappointed in multiple regards. But some of it was pretty good. But that's about all I have to say about Irving, I guess. Well, yeah, I'm not. I'm not <laughs> no one praises him as anything, but. He's, you know, I I, I always rec recommend the Mind Comp project. Oh yeah. Oh. Two. I wish two I had more time for. I... Oh, sorry, bro. I just said I wish I had more time for the Mind Comp project. Uh, Too many irons in the fire. Oh, the Bible. Oh, well, whatever right? you've done, uh, you've done whatever you've done. You've done tremendous work with that, and it's you know it stands up against anything from Irving to uh, you know some of these other ones. Well, you know, I don't mean to speak for Fink. You know, I've given a little uh, hurrah, I guess, but just for the MK site, outside of what I could say about it myself. You know, and I don't need to gush or anything, but I mean, even the uh, uh, Weiss series, greatest story never told. I, I I kind of despise that he's got that little fifteen seconds of David Duke in there, but he <laughs> mentions the but he mentions the MK site twice in the citation part of that DVD series. Um, that by itself doesn't make the MK site what it is, but just for the sake of it, um, the MK site is very substantive, is, or substantial, it is very, or maybe that's the wrong word, it's very, uh, there, there's a lot of information there, so. I was going to mention just that, uh, Dennis Wise, which is, I think it's a great, uh, one of the greats uh, to talk about, you know, World War Two. Even with his other documentaries about communism by the back door and secret Masonic victory of World War II. And another person that d didn't really write about World War II, but, you know, it had, uh, I think he wrote something about Germany in 1940, exactly, was Lothrop Stoddard, that is, as I mentioned him before, because he was mostly a new genesist and such. But I think he went to spend some years in Germany and had so much that he wrote that into the darkness, but he didn't mean like the Germany represented darkness, but more like in the state of war. I don't know. I didn't read, but I think that's what I got from someone who read. Whatever happened to the Stormfront Christian identity section? I remember for years before I ever got into Christian identity. Patrick Slattery. Who's he? Exactly. When no one knows. And he's he's on the RBN. He's uh, he's on all these uh, alternative right sites. And no one knows who he is. And he's some kind of guru of the, uh, you know, the new right. Well, I've never like heard Greg of Greg Johnston. That's weird. 
Well, he's on David Duke's show all the time. Patrick Slattery. Never yeah, I don't know him. I don't pay attention to David Duke until I see him at a League of the South conference. <laughs> then I ignore him. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. I, I, I don't blame you. But uh, it's just disgusting how the, he brings on this Patrick Slattery guy. And all this guy does is talk about China and how much he loves China and how he thinks that, you know, uh, we should rather be, be be ruled by Chinese than Jews or, wow. uh, you know, he'd rather have uh, uh, Jews and uh, or not, not have Russians and Chinese invade us and take over the country because, you know, eh, we're pretty much given up and the white man can't stand up for himself. So we may as well just be taken over by Russia and China. Wow, so this really? Is, this is, what a yeah, clown. this is the guy that, that David Duke loves now. Yeah, you know, he does, he's too stupid to understand that Russia and China are controlled by Jews. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, does he not know that these, are the, these same fucking kikes are controlling the same... I mean, they control everything. It's the United Nations now, right? Wow. And these are the same. I've I've had this argument a lot recently with with I'm sorry with secular nationalists, people who think that China is the future, or who think that uh, that we should all just get absorbed by Russia. And I try and explain, you know, first of all, China is not white, but secondly. Do you really think that Russia and China aren't Zionist-controlled governments? The yeah. Chinese Communist Party was founded by Jews, and Russia is run by a, a Jewish mafia. And these people won't hear anything of it. They, they don't want to hear it. And it's, it's ridiculous. But please, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Ten, year, ten years ago, Duke and Don Black and some other people were talking about how great it would be when Muslims came to the United States and helped them defeat the Jews. You know, that, that was their attitude, that the Muslims would be good when they pour into the United States. Yeah. They, they don't... It's basically white men, you, you don't have any power anymore, give up, right? Yeah. So uh, team up with the Muslims, you know. Team, you know, team up with anyone you can. Muslims, uh, because Muslims, uh, you know, they have some standards in regards to social behavior. And they're grasping at straws. Yeah, they want to fuck little boys in the ass because the girls are worth too much money to fuck. That's that's Muslims. Yeah. Well, Jews are Arabs, so no. Yeah. I I was just quipping with someone the other night about uh, war with China and Russia. And uh, when they asked that question, if war is imminent, I just asked them another question. Uh... Are they fighting the World Bank? No. <laughs> so I really t- I don't see the the reason to go to war with them if they're not contrary to Mystery Babylon. You got all these people, Duke and Black and Pearson. They've dedicated their lives to exposing the Jews. Okay, and they don't go anywhere else. It's basically the their whole shtick. You know, the Jews are doing this, the Jews are doing that. They don't seem to advance beyond that. You would think they would look at Christianity and try to understand why so many Because none of them do any more than Henry Ford, Elizabeth Dilling, 
Nesta Webster and 50 other people did before their time. They're only copycatting. Yeah. Nothing Duke did was original. Nothing. None of it. Yeah. And yet he presents it like it's a revelation. Yeah, but it's not. Go read Elizabeth Dilling. Go read Henry Ford, the international Jew. It's right there. And it keeps them in the victim status, right? It keeps them in the ADL, and it keeps them in the SPLSC. Right. It keeps the Holocaust, Holocaust again. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think Zeph is here anymore. I think he got off for the night. But yeah, he if he was here, I know he would, he would agree with me on this. We've had this conversation, the two of us, before. But I, I think uh, I think Walt of Northumbria would also agree with me. I, I I firmly believe that a lot of the the alt right and the men going their own way subset and all of those people they're 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 going to begin openly supporting Islam in the coming in the coming years. I think they're going to throw their lot in with them. You mean I, I can, anything's better than Jews? You mean yes. Oh, they absolutely will. I agree with you, brother. Because I've already seen the pipeline to Islam. I've already seen so many movements have, you know, this pipeline to Islam. Uh, I think the first one, I think it was one of these, you know, Boogaloo groups, you know, these prepper groups. Essentially, they, they started as pagans or something or whatever. I'm going to call them atheists. That's what they are. I don't, I refuse to name them pagans. And what, what happens? One year later, they become Islam. Muslims, well, I mean. I, I was I was part of a few of those groups. Uh, I was talking to people in them on Telegram and on other places. And one of the reasons I'm banned from all of their groups is because one of the one of the people who owns a specific channel for that said that uh, we all stand with uh, with Hamas when the, the 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 missile incident happened like two years ago. Uh, with the with with Israel and the and the missile striking the walls, uh, they said we 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 all stand with Hamas. And I responded to that post by saying, "No, we don't. That's race mixing. If you stand with Hamas, you're a race mixer." And about uh, 20 minutes after I posted that, I was banned from all of their channels. Yeah. And up up until that point, they they had been. 100%, you know, white racists, white nationalists, white supremacists, they agreed with me and everything I said, and they claimed to be, you know... Well, where Christian are identity. these white supremacies, and where are these white nationalists? Because I would like to uh, get up with them and uh, fight against these so-called motherfuckers, because I'm sick of this shit. I will admit, I did uh, say... Something like, for example, oh, I, I was loving how Afghanistan was being able to, you know, keep the U.S. troops, and how I wouldn't mind, you know, watching Afghanistan in a war, potentially. But you know, I think I think I went too much ahead of myself. Like, ideally, we would, you know, the Afghanis would kill, uh, you know, fight war over others, and we should just watch, shouldn't join them. But generally, I agree. You know, I think that a lot of these plain white nationalists have already been pointing towards Islam in the Daily, the, the Daily Stormer and the right stuff 
and their white Sharia bullshit. But I missed the last two minutes of conversation because I had to run to the boys' room. Your bladder. Yeah, I'm 61, right? <laughs> it ain't what I used to be when I was 50. <laughs> okay, I'm going to end this recording. That doesn't end this conference. Y'all could talk all night, but I'm going to end recording because at some time I have to call it a podcast and it's just about five hours. So thank you everybody for participating and praise Yahweh. Praise Christ. That's all I have to say. Praise Yahweh. Praise, praise Yahweh. Yahweh. Praise Thanks, him. Thanks, guys.